to me, okay, to me, ultimately, martial art means honestly expressing yourself. Now, it is very difficult to do. I mean, it is, it is easy for me to put on a show and be cocky yeah. and be flooded with a cocky feeling and then yeah. feel like pretty cool and all that. Or I can make all kinds of phony things, you see what I mean? Blinded by it. Or I can show you some really fancy movement. But to express oneself honestly, not lying to oneself, and to express myself honestly, now that, my friend, is very hard to do and you have to train you have to keep your reflexes so that when you want it it's there the expression of the human body i mean the everything i mean you know not just the hand and when you're talking about combat well i mean if, if, it, if it is a sport now now you're talking about something else you have regulations you have rules but when you're talking about fighting as it is oh. with no rules no, no fighting. well then baby you better train every part of your body I'm not surprised, mother... I'm not impressed by your performance. What's up? Where you at, George? I like Big Dumb McCartney pulling me about folks. That's how I like to roll. You feel me? Nobody gonna take this bet. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm proud of fighting you. For you. Don't bring your dog out of me. I'm the man of the hour, Joe. Too sweet to be sour. What you see is what you get, and what you don't is better yet. I fight for the fans. I wanted to keep fighting as long as it took, and I wanted to win this title. Thank you, everybody, for coming out. I did it. I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Running water never grows stale, so you got to just keep on flowing. That is correct, Penn Nation. Running water never goes stale. You just got to keep on flowing like we do each and every week. Welcome back to yet another edition of BJPenn.com Radio. As always, guys, I'm your host, Jay Kinch. And as we do each and every week, we've got another kick-ass show lined up for you guys this evening. BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. We are live each and every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. We continue to bring you guys the best show possible. Tonight is no different. And be on the lookout for more of the same in weeks ahead. As I said, we're the fighter's voice. We're all about giving these athletes a platform to speak their hearts and minds without any bias. Bias, rather. And we're also the voice of you guys, the fans. We greatly appreciate all the love and support, Penn Nation. Please keep it up. We love you guys for that. Tonight's lineup, four awesome guests. We got a full, full house tonight. Completely stacked show from top to bottom. But before we talk about the guests, like I tell you guys every week, your home for MMA news is BJPenn.com. Make sure you guys bookmark us at BJPenn.com forward slash MMA news. Stay up to date on the latest and greatest of the sport that we all love of mixed martial arts, whether it be the hot topics, the breaking news, the viral videos, all the exclusive interviews you could ever want. Everything that you crave, all in one place. We've got technique videos dropping all the time. You guys can learn some technique from some of the best athletes in combat sports today. 
BJPenn.com is the largest independently owned and operated MMA news site out there today. All of you guys make that possible, and we greatly appreciate it. BJPenn.com forward slash MMA news. Everything you crave from the sport you love, all in one place. We have got you covered. Tonight's guest list. As I said, four great guests, another stacked show. I really don't have much time to waste here. A couple of these interviews run pretty long, so I don't want to uh, cut anybody off tonight. First up, probably one of the most recognizable names in mixed martial arts today, a veteran of the UFC, Strike Force, Bellator, now M1. He's fought in pretty much every promotion that you can think of. Contested on the Ultimate Fighter as well, if I'm not mistaken. Joe Diesel Riggs. He's going to join us to preview a middleweight title fight that he has coming up in M1 Global. Getting an opportunity at that at that strap within that promotion. And apparently, he's already he's eyeing, eyeing retirement at this at this point. You'll hear in our interview, he's really only looking to compete maybe through maybe through 2018 and then hang him up. A lot of very interesting stuff coming from him right now. Guy has a ton of stories. You know, when you've been in this sport for as long as he has, you're bound to you're bound to accumulate a bunch of really cool stories. But he's got a documentary coming out, a book com- or a documentary that's already out that they're trying to distribute it a little bit further. It's uh, won a couple of film festivals, and he's got a book coming out as well. So clearly he's been, he's been gearing up for this retirement, kind of planning for it, wants to tell his story. And of course, we're going to talk about the upcoming fight, you know, what led to the decision for retirement, talk to him a little bit about what life is going to be like after retirement, and of course, talk about the book, the documentary, and uh, everything that he's got going on. He's been a good friend of BJPenn.com for a long time, uh, Joe Diesel Riggs. However, this is my first opportunity speaking with him. Really cool guy, and uh, I'm sure you guys are going to enjoy our conversation. Coming up after Joe Diesel Riggs, following the controversial controversial loss to Amanda Cooper at UFC 218 over the weekend, Her Majesty, Angela Magana, we're going to recap the fight on Saturday how it all played out, some of the controversy surrounding her statements of sexism after the fight, saying that the uh, the referee unfairly stopped the fight early because they are women. Going to talk a bit about where she goes from here, her response to all the haters out there. And of course, we're going to talk uh, quite a bit about her her new home, Puerto Rico and, and the devastation that, that faced that, that island via Hurricane Maria. I got to say, guys, it, it, my first time speaking with her as well, and I know she catches a lot of heat on the internet. I know a lot of people um, dislike her or love her. She's a very polar, polarizing figure, but <clears throat> I got to say, after talking with her, seems pretty cool to me. Clever. Knows how to market herself. Could care less what people think. And things things do get a little emotional when we talk about Puerto Rico, but 
Uh, again, I <clears throat> I gotta say, she really won me over. That's for damn sure. Uh, so a lot of props to Angela for for everything that that she's uh, been able to accomplish and all the interest she's been able to generate uh, from the fans, whether it be for good or bad reasons. Um, you know, she's definitely making some right moves. Hasn't had the the luck in victory in the UFC, but she's already ready to get back in there. Again, we have an awesome conversation with her. Um, a lot of stuff discussed within this conversation. I'm sure you guys will enjoy it. So first up, Joe Diesel Riggs, followed by Angela Magana. Our third guest, probably somewhere around 9 o'clock, maybe a little bit after that. Good friend of the show, good friend of BJPenn.com, the bullet herself, Valentina Shevchenko. She returns to the show to break down the Tough 26 finale over the weekend. Um, the win of Nico Montoya over Roxanne Mataferi. Uh What is next for Valentina, considering that Nico seems to be injured, is going to need some time off. When Valentina expects to get in there, we're going to get her take on some of the performances of the women on the Tough finale that night. And, of course, we'll talk a little bit about, uh, you know, some other stuff in, in women's MMA. <clears throat> but always a cool conversation with her. I've really, uh, I've really grown to, to, to like Valentina quite a bit. Uh, she's a, a very humble fighter, uh, a true martial artist. Um, you know, not one for talking trash. She just wants to go in there and perform. She likes to fight. This is what she loves to do. And... Boy, does she do a damn good job of it. A lot of us are considering her the uncrowned champ at this point. We're going to get her take on all that and much more. So, again, just to recap, Joe Diesel Riggs, Angela Magana, followed by Valentina Shevchenko. Closing out tonight's show, it was just announced that Daniel Cormier will be defending his title at UFC 220 in Boston against none other than Volkan No Time Ozdemir. He'll be returning to the show. Another good friend of the show, BJPenn.com Radio. Volcon returns. We're going to discuss, discuss the matchup with DC, how this deal got finalized. Uh, we're get, going to get his thoughts on competing in front of the crazy-ass New England fans, which I am a part of, um, diehard sports fanatics up here. And every event that I've ever been to in Boston was a ton of fun, and the crowd really got into it. So I have no doubt it will be the same situation uh, when they come back to Boston on January 20th for USC 220. Um, so we're going to talk about the, the sports fans, the matchup with DC, who he's bringing in. <clears throat> I'm sure you guys heard on the MMA hour on Monday, Volkan said that he doesn't really plan to bring in anybody in particular to prepare him for the wrestling of DC. He said he plans on bringing some guys from back home that he's very comfortable with. And I found that very interesting. Um, you'll hear me talk about it with Volkan. You know, when Conor McGregor had said that from the very beginning, you know, hey, why don't, when people asked him, why don't you move camps? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? He said he's loyal and he sticks with the people that, that got him to the dance and the people that understand him and, and know how to motivate him and talk to him. And uh, that seems to be the same case here with Volkan. Very cool stuff, uh, in my opinion, when I had heard that. So we discuss all that much more. A little bit of a shorter interview than we usually do with Volcon. Um, <laughs> you guys will hear it, but uh, unfortunately his dog puked in, in the middle of our conversation. Um, so he was cool enough to finish up with us, but you can kind of tell from that point of the puke, he was like, oh man, I 
really want to clean this, but um, nonetheless, great conversation. So there you have it. Four guests, Joe Diesel Riggs, Angela Magana, Valentina Shevchenko, followed up, closing it out with Volkan Ozdemir. BJPenn.com radio, the fighter's voice. Another great show, more great guests lined up for you fine folks of Penn Nation. <clears throat> so look, I'd love to talk a ton about the event this weekend and, and talk about a bunch of news, but for sake of time, we're going to keep it moving. Uh, you know, I'd love to recap UFC 218, but we've just got two hours to, to try to fit all of this in. So uh, if I have some time at the end, I'll recap what, you know, what, what turned out to really be an amazing card. Two consecutive pay-per-views delivered by the UFC that were phenomenal. Uh, I will say quickly, Holloway is the realness, a respectful guy, a humble guy. Well, maybe not humble, but you know what I mean? Class act. He is the realness. Although as a legend, he deserves that respect. Alvarez and Gaethje deserve a fuck ton more money in my opinion. And uh, so does Yancey Medeiros and Cowboy Oliveira. I will say quickly, while Alvarez and Gaethje was an incredible fight, very back and forth, I did feel that Yancey Medeiros and Cowboy Oliveira was the fight of the night. Uh, Alvarez did control more of the fight against Gaethje, in my opinion. Uh, And again, it was back and forth. However, Cowboy Oliveira and Yancey Medeiros, I mean, they dropped each other three or four times. It was chaos. So in my personal opinion, I think that was fight of the night. But nonetheless, an amazing show with some amazing performances. Of course, Francis Ngannou, can't say enough about the guy. Um... And speaking of Francis Ngannou, we're hearing reports that Stipe Miocic, Miocic, oh my God, I almost did the Joey Diaz there, versus Francis Ngannou, that might be added to UFC 220 in Boston, which makes me pumped because I'm going to be there in person one way or another, uh, regardless of who headlines the card. But it'd be very cool to see that fight added to the UFC 220 pay-per-view. We're also hearing that Whitaker and Rockhold are in talks uh, for a fight at this point. GSP is allegedly moving back down and uh, a bunch of other stuff that I really don't have time to cover, but for all the breaking news from this week, all the viral videos, anything of importance from the sport of mixed martial arts, you've got already know where to go. BJPenn.com forward slash MMA news. Make sure you bookmark us, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Google plus stay up to date, set up alerts, get the news before everybody else does everything you crave from the sports you love bjpen.com we have got you covered guys so without any uh further waste of time we're going to jump right into it coming up first joe diesel riggs as i said we had an awesome conversation with him first time speaking with the gentleman and uh man over 50 fights still a humble guy very candid conversation with him as well uh, I can't say enough about how, um, you know, he doesn't like, sure he rags on himself, but he's got a very realist perspective on how his career went and what could have been different and, um, all of that. So listen, rather than talk about it, why don't you guys just tune in and enjoy the interview? BJPenn.com radio, the fighter's voice, the voice of you guys, the fans. I'm your host, Jay Kinch coming up next. Joe Diesel Riggs. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome to the show a longtime veteran of mixed martial arts, 
the man they call Diesel. Of course, I'm talking about Joe Riggs. What's going on, Joe? How is life in Arizona today? Hey, buddy. Thanks for having me. Uh, life's good, man. Um, I've been doing good. I'm, uh, you know, I'm close to my retirement. Just only have a few fights left, and uh, I'm on a I'm on a good winning streak, and that's uh, that's a big reason I want to, you know, finish my career on a you know on a high note. People want to remember what you did last, you know. Yeah, that seems to be one of the, I guess, sadder parts of this sport. You know, everybody seems to forget everything that you accomplished throughout, but judges you on your last few performances. But, you know, you mentioned the retirement. That was something I wanted to get to here in a, in a few. But I understand you've got an upcoming fight in M1 Global for the middleweight title. Uh, how has preparation been going for that so far? Good. Um, I got, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be fighting for the uh, M1 uh, middleweight title uh, coming up in the, in, in in February, and uh, I do, my training's, you know, awesome, the biggest thing I've been, I just, I've switched things around, you know, since I left the MMA lab, um, after my last fight in the UFC, I, 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 I don't, I don't spar, I, I spar, you know, about once a week, you know, and I grapple, you know, I still grapple, you know, three, four times a week, but just almost everything I do is cardio, that's why, besides my last fight in M1, I still won, but I got tired because I was, you know, super sick. But you know, it's for the first time in my career, I'm I'm in the, I'm in the best physical shape, cardio shape I've ever been in. You know, so every most any fight I've ever, you know, been nervous for or, or been you know just been, you know, dreading. It's it's if I haven't put the time in the gym, my cardio wasn't there. So it feels good for for this fight. You know, that that's not that's not a worry. I'm, I'm in good shape. Absolutely. You know, that's something that uh, Boss Rutten has said time and time again. You know, technique is having technique is great, working on all of those things, but cardio really is the make or break for most fighters. I mean, if you can go faster than a guy for a longer period of time, you're eventually going to be able to wear him down and break him and, you know, get the, get the victory. But I'm wondering, who is the current champ at 185 in M1, and what can you tell us about the guy? Um, they, uh, they, the, uh, the current M1, M1 champion... Uh, it's uh, they had they had their it was um it was uh it was it was a vacant it was a vacant belt uh, my last fight when I fought in M1 it was uh in, my last fight was it was in uh well, it was in October 27th there was a the vacant title it was a vacant title fight with um I, I'm trying to remember think of his name and it was, he fought a Brazilian the Brazilian who just was just in the UFC the Brazilian's name is um. I can't even pronounce his name. Uh, <laughs> uh, his last, he fought uh, um, Brandon Tavares in the UFC, and he lost like a split decision. Uh, and he, he, anyways, one of the best fights I've ever seen, and and I can like, personally in like, life, it was unbelievable. The fight was great. It went five rounds into the war, but uh, the Russian won it. He, he he's right. Cause he's ten and zero. His like, his name is like RTM. You know, you know, four low. Like the Russian guys, you net, they can have like a record of you know like. 20 and 10, you know, and you've never heard of them, but they're always tough, tough fighters. Joe Silva told me one time, um, if we signed every Russian that deserved it, you know, 80% of uh, everybody in the top 10 would be Russian as well as a champion in most weight classes. Right. And, uh, yeah, that, that's something I believe. You know, Russians are really, really tough, and a lot of people just don't know who they are. It's, uh, so, you know, winning, winning an M1 belt will it'd be a good capital to my career, um, you know, uh, you know, I've won the Strike Force title, you know, Bellator, uh, Bellator Fightmaster title, uh, WC title. You know, I missed uh, the M the UFC belt, but the M1 title would be a good thing for the end of my career. For sure. And the, and the point you make about Russians being tough, I mean, 
It's one of the obviously one of the biggest land masses. I think it is, is Russia the biggest land mass. Anyway, ton a huge talent pool to pull from, and a ton of guys like you said that we might we might not have heard of over here stateside. However, when you go past those borders, there's talent everywhere in the world, and Russia certainly has a lot of it. Um, I'm assuming this fight is in Russia, correct? When do you plan on heading over there? Um, it will be, uh, I, I always plan to go like five, it's, it's, the, the date's not set yet, I know it's sometime in February. I'm actually going to Michigan, um, uh, in December 16th for, uh, KO Promotions, um, and, uh, and going over there and, uh, being a part of, the, just being, being a part of a, of a show up in Michigan, so just to be a part of that, and then, um, I'm try- I was trying to fight as many as much as I could possibly fight before I retired. And the good thing about uh, where I am in my life is I'm not fighting for the money. I think it's the, it's the saddest thing seeing guys just fight for a paycheck, past their prime. And if I mean, I mean, even if even if they're not fighting, uh, even if they're not past their prime, when guys are taking fights when they have to just to pay, pay just to pay for bills, it's a sad thing. So I mean, I'm blessed to you know be financially where I am in my life, and it's. You know, and it's a good. It's, it feels good to take a fight and fight because I want to fight and fight because I'm enjoying. It. I want to. I want to win and I want to. I want to be the best I can be instead of, you know, making. You know, how much ever I'm going to make for the fight and that's that. You know. For sure, it, it has to come from the heart. You have to have the drive and the desire to be competing rather than just be motivated by money. Uh, I would agree with you 100% on that. But again, the retirement stuff was something I kind of wanted to close with, but. Um, I don't think people realize just how busy you've been since we last saw you in the UFC. Five fight win streak in <laughs> MMA, bare knuckle boxing, uh, in no, particular. I, I, I saw seven seven fights in MMA. So I've won seven straight in MMA. Uh, I think uh, Capology has. I don't think Sherdog has, has. Has doesn't have uh, a couple of them, but uh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've won seven. I, 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 you know, I, I, I fought in bare knuckle. It was, just, it was something I wanted to do. It was really fun, and uh, and and then I had, I had a grappling. I had a grappling match with Pete Sell, you know, and, and uh, a black belt grappling match, it was fun. So, yeah, I've been, been busy. Uh, Pete Sell, that's another, that's another name from the old school. But, you know, in, in particular, <laughs> in particular with bare-knuckle boxing, man, you know, we see a lot of these guys taking these fights right now. Chris Lytle actually coming out of retirement for one of these events. What was that experience like for you? And, and give us your thoughts on the surging popularity behind that. Well, um, the, uh, the, I was the first guy, first and, and Mitch Marshall Arts got to go over there and fight fight in bare knuckle. I, I actually, I, I I called Chris Lytle and you know told him you know hey I know because it's not a it's not a you know cool thing if, when people retire and they come back you know so Chris is a competitor and he's a guy who retired on a good note and coming back and fighting a bare knuckle boxing fight you know him being a boxer is something you know you're not coming back in mixed martial arts but he still gets to compete so it's uh when I went over there. Um, People don't know that I have a really extensive boxing background, and I went over there, and uh, you know, even the guys that are fighting in the bare knuckle fights over there, they're 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 always professional boxers. It's just you know, if they're from Ireland or they're from or they're from England, you know, a lot of them are uh, the gypsies, you know, and and that's their heritage. You know, bare knuckle boxing is something they've done their whole life, and that's something they do on the side. So I mean, it's not you you, you don't have I mean you have gauze around your wrist and. and and around your metacarpals, but your knuckles are exposed. But it's really, I mean, it's primal, man. It's something, it's something different than mixed martial arts. You know, I actually shot a double leg in the first ten seconds of the fight. <laughs> that, that was, I, mean, I got a point taken away. But 
you know, I, I fought the champion, the, the light heavyweight champion, and, 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 you know, beat him, you know, and dr- dropped him three times and, you know, won, uh, won a unanimous decision. But it was it was something I've always wanted to do, and I did, and, you know, and, and it was something I, you know, I definitely don't regret. I loved it. For sure. I, I know that's, like you said, it's kind of a cultural thing, whether it be gypsies, the Irish, it's definitely bigger in that part of Europe. Uh, but looking forward, are you primarily focused on MMA, or do you think you'll see yourself competing in bare knuckle boxing as well? Uh, it's, um, I was, um, I'm, I'm actually in the, in the middle of uh, my documentary, um, and and uh, is, is is done, and and my um, I'm writing a, doing an autobiography with uh, um, with Sean Wheelock. He's writing it, and he he's actually involved in uh, bare knuckle actually coming to the United States, so. Uh, there's a lot of people, a lot of guys that are trying to get that kicked off. So, I mean, you never know what's going to happen. You know, if I retire from mixed martial arts and, and do that, you know, it's a possibility. But, you know, it's something fun. But, you know, with, uh, it's, it's, it's dangerous. You can, get, you can get hurt real bad. So, you know, I have a, I have wife and, I have a wife and kids, and that's the number one thing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's something that, that, you know, you're not going to get rich off of. So it's something you gotta, you know got to choose wisely. You mentioned a documentary and a book there. Tell us a little bit about both those projects. Um, after uh, after I was I was I started the documentary just just the day I I I got my release from Bellator and I signed with UFC that same day. Literally in, in, within five hours, I every I, I asked my release when John Redney left because if my, Eddie Alvarez and and my contracts were void. It was only it was with John Redney. So when Scott Coker came in, uh, ours, that's when we left because our, our contracts were void. So and then that same day is when I is when I accidentally shot myself, and uh, so it went it went from you know you know me having to come back and doing this to me running my own dick in the dirt shooting myself, and uh, you know which is it's actually on camera me shooting myself. So it was uh, hor- I mean it was I mean when. The extent, the extent, the extent of the damage in my hand and my leg. Nobody, the doctors didn't think I was going to fight again. No one did. But the, uh, you know, the re, the grueling rehab I went through. You know, it was, it was something that was, that was really, you know, surprising and really something I had to dig deep on coming back. So the documentary is about that, and uh, um, pretty much, you know, it, it's not, a, it's not your normal documentary about, you know, how a fighter lives and he, how he, you know, it's, you know, it is about mixed martial arts and. and a lot of areas, but a lot of it is about my, you know, my personal life and my personal struggles I've been through. And, uh, you know, in the book, the, the book's kind of the same thing, but it touches a lot more about early in my childhood that a lot of people don't know how, how, how much of a struggle and how much of a hard life I had growing up and I had to persevere through and then, you know, on to the present day. So it's, uh, it's going to, you know, Sean Wheelock is a, is a great writer, so um, I'm very, very lucky to have him, him, him you know, being the one. Uh, running that, so I'm, I'm hoping for success in both of them. So, are these ongoing projects, or do they are, are they wrapping up? Do they have a release date, or uh, the, are they the going to kind of? Done. The, the documentary is all it's all finished. Uh, it, it, it got second, uh, it got, it got uh, first place in the European uh, Film Festival, and got uh, got, uh, then it got and then it got first place in another film festival. So we're we're running it through some film festivals before we uh, put it to you know we're going to see if we can. You know, sell it to Netflix, something like that. You know, I, I just, I'm not going to be, you know, you know, like Mark Kerr, you know, have a documentary that, that was so successful and get paid five thousand dollars out of. You know, it was something that I paid for out of my own pocket, and uh, you know, and and did it myself. So it was something that uh, you know that was that I'm very proud of, and I was able to 
you know, go go whatever direction I wanted to, and then um, it, so that's done. And just just uh, fi- where 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 it finally ends up for viewing is is, is up in the air. But the book, I'm just we're just in the middle of writing it, and that's that's not going to take long. So um, that will be done hopefully soon and be out as well. So I, I, those are two things I'm really proud of and excited about too. Cool, man. I'll have to look up that documentary. I was completely unaware that, that you that it already uh, you know hit the hit the streets and and been in film festivals having success. That's a good sign, man. So I definitely wish yeah, you the yeah, best with is. all that stuff. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, it's it was. I was lucky to. I was lucky and uh, unlucky enough to have a camera in my face. When <laughs> right. I, you know, during the worst part of my life. You know, I mean, it was a scary thing. I mean, I, I mean. I, I mean, people always think I was I was cleaning my gun. I wasn't cleaning my gun. I was taking it apart. And uh, you know when 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 uh, I was trying to because uh, you know a round was 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 stuck in the chamber and I was trying to eject around and wouldn't it was stuck because of uh, because of a uh, defect in the in the pistol and I was trying to take it apart and you know not giving it the respect it deserved. Shot myself and it was you know then you go from talking to the camera then screaming tell them to shut it off because I'm running around. For some reason, my pants came off, and I mean, this my for some reason I, I took my pants off walking back and forth, and uh, and then I mean anybody who has, who's had had their drilling go up, you know, your your dick kind of shrinks back into you, you know, kind of, <laughs> kind of retreats. And when when I uh, when I for I went I, I opened the door to tell my wife I just, I yell out I've been shot, you know she didn't know if there was somebody out there to try to kill me when when I was on the ground. She just sees blood everywhere in my bush, you know, my big old bush over growing. So she thought I shot my dick off because uh, <laughs> the wound was so close to my dick. And, uh, you know, and, and she didn't tell me that until later on. But, uh, you know, then I looked at it. I, I literally could take my take my junk and throw it in the hole if I wanted to. But, you know, thank, thank God I didn't uh, didn't shoot my fecker off. But that would have been oh, another, uh, another, another thing. I know uh, that yeah, was a, it, I know it, that it, was it, a crazy it, story. It, it, I know that was a crazy story from uh, a couple years ago. I mean... Man, so so you had these documentary filmmakers rolling a camera while all this happened. Yeah, because you know I <laughs> I had real like fifteen in a row before that, you know. So I was, you know, pretty pretty everybody everybody wrote me off before you know before I started to come back and won the fight master and stuff like that. So you know we, you know we didn't know where, where it was going to go. We just started started it then, and I actually switched uh, switched people filming it. The person that was doing it then. Um, you know, then I, then I, you know, end up putting more money into a, into more, you know, more of a professional, professional, uh, putting more a, a better professional tan, so it so it looked better. But then the the person that uh, that was originally shooting it um, took the because uh, I took the I took the the footage of me shooting myself, but but he he was there uh, filming it when I came out of the hospital, and he instantly sold it to TMZ. So I had no idea. I didn't sell it to TMZ. <laughs> my by a friend of mine. Who I did, who I kind of took off the project, got mad and sold it to TMZ and kind of fucked me over. So and then you know and instantly made you know, made me look like a fool, like I was just you know you know polishing up my gun and shot myself, you know. But it's, what uh, a know, crazy it, it, story. You know, yeah, it, it, he's, he's a cocksucker, you know. But it is what it is. Man, that is absolutely crazy. Wow. Well, listen, we've chewed up a ton of time on that. I'm just over here fascinated listening to all of it. I'm definitely gonna have to check out the documentary. Um, but I wanted to, you know, talk about some of this retirement stuff. Um, you know, you fought in every organization. You fought the who's who of all the divisions that you've competed in. You're a household name, especially to the hardcore fans. You know, what's your take on where this sport is headed, and, and what would you like to see change? Um, you know, it's really cool seeing what the, what, what 
you know, anybody who kind of started it when I did, you know, around in 2000, you know, people think I'm a lot older than I am because I started so early. But, you know, everybody, when we started, said the sport was going to be the number one sport. You know, it's going to be the biggest sport in the world in a few years. And I, I know I kind of laughed and, you know, thought it was bullshit. But, you know, it, it's not the biggest sport in the world, but, it, you know, it got really big. And, you know, it, what sucks is just the the amount of money that, you know, that I wish what, what I wish would change is, you know, there's guys that make, you know, the mil, you know millions of dollars a fight, and there's, there's guys that make that, that can have the, the fight of the night, it's the first fight from the UFC or whatever promotion, and make ten thousand dollars. You know, it's it's not fair. You know, and it's uh, you know, it's you know, and you know, the fighters there, they literally give their life in there, and, and and they get treated, you get treated like a pile of shit. You know, the UFC, um. You know, it's especially since uh, they've they've changed hands, and since they, uh, you know, since the, you know the whole sponsor thing. You know, I had a I had a really big sponsor uh, that was paying that was going to pay me fifteen thousand dollars a month for my weight loss pictures, but my before and after pictures, and uh, and then right right when Reebok came in, you know, they they had paid me a down payment in my first and second month, and I had to repay them all of that, and uh, it was for a, it was a for a three year deal. And then I lose out on that, and I get paid, you know, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars from Reebok to fight. You know, and then it's just, it's just shitty thing. You know, I, I feel bad for a lot of guys, especially a lot of guys that are under contract with Zufa, have to have to stuff a sock in it and not open their mouth, and they're going to get the shaft. You know, it's it's, uh, it's a shitty thing. You know, especially if you, if you talk to guys that aren't with the UFC and have experienced that, have because I've I've experienced a lot of bad things, you know, with the UFC as well as a lot of good things. But you know, it's a it's a shitty thing when. Um, when one when one company controls a sport like that, you can really tell whoever they want to go, you know, fuck themselves or or not. You know, can pretty much make a star of anybody, like they did Conor McGregor. You know, and and um, you know, and he and he's done he's done obviously. You know, anybody who like I'm hating on him. Obviously, I wish I you know I wish I had the success he did. You know, and so did everybody else. So nobody can hate on him, but it's unfair for people that's been in the sport for many many years and had many many fights and has been you know putting in the hard work to get in the UFC, and a guy comes like that, peacocking around, you know, and, and the UFC chooses who, who they're going to pay and who they're going to make as a star. And that's, that's one thing I wish was a little different, but, you know, you know, there's no, there's no sense crying over spilled milk. I'm just glad to see the sports as, as growing as big as it was, as bad as it is. Yeah, I got to tell you, man, when I watch it with friends or <clears throat> maybe family members, uh, you know, in particular a UFC event, and they're asking questions like, oh, how much does this person make? And if they're on the prelims, I mean, chances are they're making 12 and 12. And they are, usually yeah, whoever yeah, I say that to is absolutely it. shocked. It is. I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, you can get a, you know, you can get guys, you know, if you're, if you're fighting, if you're fighting in the UFC and you're, you know, making 25,000, 20 and 20 or something, you know, you're lucky. You know, it's just, it just all, it just all depends. And, and people think you're making million, millions of dollars a fight because the UFC is, Far making more money than boxing, and then you get a guy ranked in boxing, ranked in the top twenty. No one knows who the fuck he is. He's making no less than four million dollars a fight. It's uh, and then and then if, when you're in the UFC, and if you even open your mouth in a meeting to talk about the sponsors, saying you know that, that you know the NFL, you know the players get thirty five percent or thirty percent of whatever you know Nike pays them or anything, they just get him out of here. You know they fucking like put a cane around your neck and drag you out. You know you just. And then you just run the risk of getting getting cut. It's just uh, it's a shitty thing, especially somebody that's you know really you know living foot to mouth trying to make it, you know having to do whatever. It's just uh, it's a shitty thing. And you know I, I mean, you, you you've been you've been in this world a long time. Back in like 2005 when there was 
you know, less than 100 people under, under contract with UFC, and, and then it wasn't as watered down. Fights were a lot more special. Now it's not. Yeah, that's that's one thing that, that that's changed a lot, which for the bad. Uh, you know, back in the heyday, you know, from like 2005 to 2008, I, that was when the UFC, you know, you know, mixed martial arts, you know, when fights happened, it was really something big and something to get excited for. Now there's so many fights, so many fighters, no one knows who the fuck anybody is, and they yeah, it's very hard to keep track. It is. You know, even even as a guy that watches the sport, you know, uh, as uh, as an analyst, a fan, all of those things, I try to never miss an event. And even then, man, it's very, very hard to keep up with all these names. And you're right. At one point during the heyday, I you, you could name anybody in the sport, and I'd know who they were. And, man, you're right. It, it has it has become a watered-down product. And that's what I mean. I mean, I mean, since you've got a few of you, you have been in this, you know, back in back when it was – Special, you know, back when the Ultimate Fighter first came on, it was really exciting because the sport was getting notoriety, and you know, not just the hardcore fans were watching it; it was getting more mainstream. It was, it was, a, it was a special time. And then, and then now it's, uh, it's gotten so bad where you know, I mean, you know, God bless anybody going in the ring and making making a living. That's you know, that's that's great for them, but it's it sucks for the people that you know have paid the way for the sport, and you know, and other people reap the benefits of it. For sure, for sure. So when you look back, uh, yeah, I mean, given all of your success, uh, you know, your longevity in this sport, when you look back on things, what would you say to your younger self or, or maybe somebody that's uh, coming up and, you know, a hungry up-and-comer at this point? What advice would you give them? Uh, uh, sorry, say it again? Well, I'm just wondering, what, given everything that you've done in this sport, how long you've been around, when you – Look back on maybe your younger self or an up-and-coming guy that you see that's hungry right now. What kind of advice would you give them uh, in regards to moving through this journey of martial arts? Uh, uh, if people are just starting out, I would say, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, you got to watch out people who you're hanging out with, you know I mean? People who you let around you in your inner circle because, you know, I've, you know, I've had, you all who you hang out with, who you let in your life, you know, in, in the beginning of my life, my career, I let nothing but shitty people be in there and be people that just literally suck the life out of you. And, uh, and then if you, you know, the people, then when you're, you know, because you, there's going to be ups and downs. The highs are the, they're, they're, they're euphoric in the sport, but the lows are low, you know. And, uh, you know, and the people who kind of you know, are there with you on your on your low times, you know, that are going to be with you in high times, just kind of stick with them, man. And, and besides that, pay your fucking taxes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's definitely uh, something that a lot of guys that come from the world of combat sports, you, you, yeah, def- yeah, you definitely need a good. You definitely need a good accountant. That's for sure. Yeah, it's yeah. I've been the, the IRS has bent me over and plowed me a couple times. They've taken my they took my first home that I, that I had paid off, which hurt, you know. But you know, it was my fault. But that's what I'm saying. I wish, I wish to God when I was young and just got in the UFC, uh, I had someone to give me good advice. Just, just to stay away from bad people, you know, stay away from painkillers. God, that's another thing. You know, this sport is very, very painful. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, you, you, you know, if, you don't, if you've never experienced anything, anything with painkillers, you know, you, you take it because it's something that, you know, gets rid of the pain. And then it turns into a completely different animal. You know, so this country's having, you know, an absolute fucking war with it but you know any any kind of uh, professional athlete that puts his body through what we put their body through it, uh, we come we're we're just as we're, we're, we're twice as likely to fall victim to addiction so i mean painkillers is something to 
you know, stay away, stay away from that as well. For sure, and we always heard horror stories about it in the WWE and professional wrestling, guys getting addicted to painkillers, muscle relaxers, things like that. Uh, but listen, man, uh, you know, we've covered a lot of stuff here. I, I just want to try to keep it moving. Uh, tell us about the decision to eventually retire, and uh, have you put a time frame on this? When would you like to hang them up? And, uh, you know, talk us about the decision that led to it. Well, um, I was going to retire after my last fight in the UFC. You know, when I – my last fight in the UFC, I fought Chris Camozzi. You know, I, I got – I got – you know, he didn't poke the thing on the eye. I just fist went in my eye, and I just, you know, traditionally, I, I just instinctively held my eye, and then he kneed me in the head and arm, so I broke my arm. So that was the most humiliating thing that's ever happened to me in the sport in my life. So I was really close to hanging it up, and after, you know, talking with my wife, and, you know, and after that, you know, people that I thought were close to me, you know, pretty much scattered, like, you know, you know, they just, you know, I look around and I'm, I'm by myself holding, you know, holding my arm, you know, but, you know, it's, uh, you know, I didn't want that to be the last thing that people had, you know, that people would think about me, you know, because I've done, so, you know, I've made an ass out of myself in my, life, in my life, you know, I've been addicted to painkillers, I did shoot myself in the hand and, and my, almost, my, almost shot my dick off, you know, I've, I've, got, I've gotten fights in the hospital, you know, I don't want that to be, you know, what people are in me for, and, and so I wanted to, you know, you know, switch things up, training, train, you know, and, and put some kind of a streak together, and then go out, go out when I want to go out, and go out, you know, on a win streak and happy the way I want to. So, you know, I've made my mind up, you know, you know that I, I definitely will. I won't be fighting past 2018. I won't be, you know, with less than a. I won't be fighting any any longer than I would say eight eight months. You know, I would like to have have a you know after I win the M1 title. You know, after you know, like I, I'm, I have I have a fight in Michigan coming. Uh, gonna be up in Michigan with scale promotion and stuff like that. After I, you know, do stuff like that, I want to be. I want to come back to Phoenix and have a retirement fight. You know, where it's all began, and, and you know, have something, have a fight where you know my my kids can actually watch me fight. My 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 kids have never seen me fight live, and you know, be there personally, and I can you know say goodbye to the sport that I love so much and I'm more intimate. For sure, man, for sure. And I agree with you. It seems like one of those things, everything that you've been through, you kind of want your legacy to, to be about overcoming the obstacles. Does that sound accurate? Yeah, that's 100%. You know, I, 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 that's what, you know, I pride myself on all the, you know, all the bad things that's happened to me in my life. I've overcame it. You know, I've, I've, I've seen a lot of bad things from my age in my life, and every one of them I've overcame. So, uh, you know, just... This last one, I want it to be, you know, I want, you know, and not even for my book or my or my documentary. I just, you know, you know, for my kids, you know, when they get older and, and they really understand what what their father did for a living, and you know, and you know, he was, you know, he was something, you know, you know, everybody always wants their kids to be proud of them and their and their wife to be proud of them, but like I, I want I want to be proud of myself. Look on, look back at my career, and look back that I overcame things that a lot of people wouldn't have overcame, and uh, I went out on my terms and went out the good note. And that's definitely the way to do it. Too many times do we see guys not know when to hang them up or go out on their shield. I mean, that seems to be the story of this sport, but you're right. When you get, when you get an opportunity to, to make those choices and go out on your own terms, that's definitely the way to do it. Uh, have you considered what's next for you after fighting? Anything in the works already for your next career? You know, I kind of feel like with all your knowledge, you'd make a great coach. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of a lot of people close to me that you know have said you know because I've I've always been 
Um, you know, like, like Bill, Billy, he's, he, he did, this guy does most, most of my conditioning, you know, I mean, he's, he's seen, he's seen me through a lot of my stuff. I'm, I, and if anybody has followed me throughout my career, you know, I've never been able to live up to my potential in the ring, in, I mean, or in the octagon. It's just, it's something that I'm going to have to live with, you know, I, I've, I've been able to put it together and, and have a good career, something I can be proud of, but, um, with as, as talented as, as, I, as I am and, and as, as good as I am and I, as good as I, as I know I can be and people who I've, who I've trained with and be, I know I, I know I should have been a UFC champion, but, you know, I have to live with that. I'm one of those guys, I'm sure in the NFL or any other professional sport that, you know, that when the, when the lights came on that I just, I just didn't, I just couldn't live up to what I was, what I was, my expectations. So coaching everybody, a lot of people, including I'll admit it myself, I'm the, I'm, I'm a better coach than I'm a fighter, you know, and there's no, there's no position that, that somebody will be in, in or outside the ring that I've ever been in and I can help them through. So I, uh, I am going to be, I am going to coach, but um, I'm not going to, you know, stake my family's life on it. You know, I'm going to, you know, uh, do something to, uh, you know, it's going to be something to, you know, that's, that's going to keep me, you know, active and happy. So I don't go into a, you know, an after, after sports depression, but, you know, definitely, definitely coaching would be something to go off, go do afterwards for sure. Well, I'd certainly like to see it. Maybe get your own little team going. Uh, again, with the well of knowledge that you already have, I have no doubt you would make a great coach. Uh, but listen, man, you've been more than generous with your time. I just have a couple more things here for you. Getting back to the fight, uh, where can everybody tune in, and do you know what time it's going to air in the states? Um, I, M1 Global. Is the the uh, I think the uh, the next one's going to be on UFC Fight Pass, and. Uh, um, anybody, if they want to check out my uh, social media stuff, uh, they're going to announce the date real soon. And uh, the one mission is going to be on uh, Flow Combat. And uh, just, just, uh, and just pretty much, if anybody out there, just look at my social media. That will be, uh, you know, I'll be, I'll be posting, posting stuff on uh, what I got coming up. But um, you know, just keep an eye out. You know, I definitely, am, I'm gonna, you know, my last few fights are going to be good, and just. Uh, hopefully, my last my last couple fights are going to be the best one I ever ever had in my career. So, what's your official prediction for this one? Uh, I I I hope I I hope to God, you know you can you can never predict because this sport's so unpredictable. But you know I've been doing a lot of visualizations. I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna I, I'm definitely I'm definitely I know I'm gonna knock him out. It's not gonna be on the ground. I'm gonna I'm gonna put him away in the seat. Okay, very good. Listen, Joe, it's been an honor to speak with you tonight, and uh, hopefully we can catch up again soon. You're one of the true veterans of mixed martial arts, and you've had one hell of a career so far. In conclusion, man, anything you'd like to say to all the fans out there and any shout-outs you'd like to get in before we let you go? No, I just I appreciate it. You guys have always been a uh, great my career having me on throughout. Just, uh, you know, I appreciate everybody who's ever, uh, who's ever followed me in my career. Just uh, watched my last, few fight, my last couple fights before I retire, and uh, you, won't, you won't be sorry because they're going to be good fights. Absolutely, my man. Uh, again, greatly appreciate it. Hopefully, oh, yeah, we can catch up. Oh yeah, and keep an eye out for my book and documentary too. For sure. Now, uh, yeah, give, give us a holler when those release dates come out. We'll 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 have to be sure to uh, push it out there for you. Sounds good, buddy. I appreciate it. All right, man. You have a great night. All right. Bye bye. Well, there you have it, Penn Nation, Joe Diesel Riggs. Awesome conversation with him. And as we had discussed there in depth, uh, the guy's been around, fought in every promotion, uh, well of knowledge, 
wealth of knowledge, however you want to say that. The dude knows what he's talking about. He would make a phenomenal coach after the fact when he decides to hang up the gloves once and for all. But he's got some fight left in him. I'm looking forward to this fight that, that's going to go down in February. Hopefully he, he can capture that title. One thing I meant to ask him was where he wants to finish up his career. Uh, I should have asked him that. You know, it'd be pretty cool to see him get another opportunity in the UFC if he wants that. Um, tough to tell. You know, he uh, made some great points, as you've heard discussed on this show many times in regards to fighters pay and uh, what he would like to see change in the sport. But there you have it. Joe Diesel Riggs, great conversation with him. Be on the lookout for the documentary and the book. Uh, we'll probably be posting something in regards to that release. But nonetheless, guys, we got to keep it moving. This is BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. Coming up next, we are joined by Her Majesty, Angela Magana. Uh, like I told you guys at the top of the show, having not spoken with her before, uh, this was really an eye-opening conversation for me. I, I gained a ton of respect for her, and uh, you know, I, I see... I see what she's doing in the sport, and while she might be catching a lot of heat from people, that's part of that's part of what she's doing. But I also think that she she deserves the the same fair shake that everybody else gets, and, and the same kind of respect that that, that we show all the other heels in MMA. Um, yeah, again, really cool convo with her. It got a little emotional at one point. Uh, when discussing the devastation in Puerto Rico. Uh, so our heart goes out to everybody that's continuing to struggle with that. That devastating, devastating hurricane that, that seemed to tear that place to pieces. Uh, you know, she said she, the telecom services are still not up and running. She just came back to electricity after the fight, uh, UFC 218. So much to be discussed with her. A great conversation. I know you guys will enjoy it. Uh, this is BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. Coming up next, Her Majesty, Angela Magana. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome to the show, Her Majesty, Angela Magana. Angela, thanks for taking the time to speak with us today. Uh, you're currently in Puerto Rico, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes, I'm, I'm here um, old San Juan, Puerto Rico, back home. So, what has uh, what has recovery been like for you since Hurricane Maria? You know, I know everybody on the mainland was heartbroken to see all the devastation that occurred. How is re- the rebuilding process going for you and uh, you know the people around you? Um, unfortunately, FEMA is not helping people rebuild like they once did in the past, and like they said they were going to. And the the Prima, the Puerto Rico version of FEMA, is really corrupt. Um, so I've still got, uh, people living in my house that don't have roofs on their houses. Um, it's still really bad. We've gained power the week. I had to have power for almost two weeks. Now I've had power. Um, so it's, that was really nice to come home to after my fight this weekend. Um, it's still horrible. It's still really bad condition. Um, there's still people dying, death tolls over a thousand. Um, but they're officially, they can't make it official because like, all the systems are down. There's no system to even put in test certificates. Do you know what I mean? Like right now, yeah. if you need to go to the doctor, they can't even pull up anything 
for your records. Like right now is a really good time to go see a specialist, which is I actually was able to get into this blood specialist that I, I've had my hematologist who takes like six months in a referral. I was able to actually jump in line and see her. And it just so happened her office was messed up. So she was inside of a hospital using a room, but you just happen to walk in and you get to see your doctor and the nurses and everybody's in one room. So you get this access to these specialists that you've never had before. Um, like, like one time my, and the, I had to get blood and my blood order was wrong and I just had to walk in the store and I'm like, oh, are you sure? Like, you can go next door. It's like, actually, it's really easy access. I can walk in. The doctor's right there in front of my face. I can have her fix the order like that. So it was, um, it, it's been it really screwed up for a lot of other people, though. Uh, and I have three kids. That was really hard for, to feed us every day, building fires. Um, it's, it's hell, honestly. It's, it's, it's been, it's been terrible. Um, things aren't getting that much better. I put in, um, with some of the, the GoFundMe money, I was able to get a grant writer who's doing things for, for pennies. Um, we went in for humanitarian grants. So hopefully that can be put back into the community to help build the money that I did get. I used the people in my community, paying them not much, but more than what, what they would get to like demolish these houses, get it all to the trash so that we can start the process of rebuilding. Well, I got to tell you, I certainly commend you for the community outreach, but I'd imagine that in Puerto Rico, it is a pretty tight-knit community, and everybody's kind of rallying together and making the best of it. Does that sound accurate? Yes, definitely, for sure. Um, there's something very pure about survival. And um, when when nobody has water, nobody has electricity, nobody um, has anything, all those exteriors that, that, that people carry around, like, for, I mean, I'll be frank, um, the guy I help out, he's the one who, when they kill somebody, he's the one that takes their body and puts it in the ocean. He's like the guy that gets rid of it. Um, my, my neighbor is a, is a hitman. Um, like, on the other neighbors, beats his wife. I've heard him beating, but you don't call the cops on La Perla's or you'll get killed yourself. They don't want that kind of crime here. They have their own little fat crime faction here, um, justice here. But um, all those exteriors go away. Like, the neighbor that maybe you had a quarrel with because, whatever, the kids are little assholes and shut the fuck up outside your window. Um, all of that goes away. All those exteriors go away. And there's something so pure about wanting to survive. And, and, and it's also a, a something that we've all gone through. Um, you know, it's, it's, it was heartbreaking when the, the hurricane slowed down and to see your neighbor walk over and see that his house is gone now. This is, it's, it's, it, it looks like a war zone here. It's heartbreaking. It's really, it's really messed up. Um, what has happened, and then the fact that a lot of the world still doesn't think that everything's okay, and it's not. Now, were you evacuated for the majority of the worst part of the storm, or? Yeah, they came around, and, and, the, and the, so they would call CPS on the people who didn't leave with their kids, but um, I knew that those were just threats, and I knew that in my house, it's cement, and it went through Hugo, so um, my house was fine. The only thing that happened was, like, some of the roofing was damaged, and so my house floods every time it rains, it floods right now. Um, so, and if I wasn't in my house, my whole, everything would have been screwed. All my clothing, all my furniture. If I wouldn't have been in my house cleaning the flooding as it was happening, my stuff would have been ruined. Um, but the funny thing is, is so after that happened, um, there was no way of getting food. There was no way of anything. There was no way of keeping your, if you had a generator, there was no way of keeping the gas on. Like, um, people, we were boiling rainwater to drink and eating crackers for days. And I, we went to the governor's house where they evacuated us to, but we didn't go the first night, me and the three kids, just so that we could eat. Um, I mean, that's how bad it was. I mean, they're still rationing water for us here. Man, and, and you say the, the federal government is, is not doing anything to help, and I mean, obviously... No, they're not doing anything. 
I mean, obviously. Help, but they won't give insurance to these people in their houses either. So I'm not, like, we're just going to have to do it slowly, bit by bit, um, have it with our own hands. But it's been, honestly, for us in La Perla, it's been that way since forever. Like, if a fire happens here, the fire trucks don't drive down here. We fight our own fires and rebuild ourselves. Wow. Like, the big drug dealers, like, the, they have a big punto here where they sell drugs. And those guys, the drug dealers, the vichotes, and, the, and the, those guys will put their money together and it helps you know, help out, like, this Christmas, they put on a party for everybody, and, um, so, like, we kind of have to take care of ourselves from the beginning, we're not, we're used to it. Now, forgive me for not knowing this beforehand, but how long have you lived in Puerto Rico? Uh, I moved here September 8th, so I moved here hurricane season, but we never had a hurricane, and so, like, almost a year after I got here, I went through Irma, which was nothing bad. And then Maria hit, and that the it wasn't the actual hurricane; it's the the, the aftermath that's still being dealt with. That it's just left devastation. Now I know that a lot of businessmen and entrepreneurs uh, have been moving to Puerto Rico, given the low taxes and the accommodations. Was that part of the reason for you moving, or was it a family thing? No, it had nothing to do with this thing. Um, Act twenty, Act twenty two would be nice to to to, to take. You know, I don't get. I don't get um. Hey, you're uh, you're breaking up there a bit. Oh, can you hear me now? Yep, yep. Uh, you you okay. just said Act 22. Oh. I think that's where you cut off. Okay, so um, I I don't make enough money to, to to take advantage of that. I moved here because I fell in love with the boxing, and I needed work on my boxing. And I just thought it was a beautiful island. It was a great opportunity for my daughter to become bilingual. Um, and I live in a beautiful house right on the ocean. So. Right. Well, I just thought it would be a great move. <laughs> well, I, again, up until the hurricane, I'm sure you were enjoying every moment of it. But, you know, I certainly hope that everything works out for you, your loved ones, all of your neighbors, and, and Godspeed on, uh, you know, getting all of this uh, rebuilt. But let's move on to MMA now. Obviously, there's a ton to talk to you about with the fight over the weekend. But first, walk us through the fight and, and what led to the finish, in your opinion. Uh, well, the fight, you know, we got in there. I felt like I was doing good on the stand-up. I shouldn't have been. I shouldn't have tried to kick. Um, I shouldn't. I shouldn't have gone for the takedown on the second round. Honestly, I felt like the things that I was doing was correct. She just really overpowered me. And like when I got to the arena that day, I weighed myself. I'm fully clothed. I was 117.5, and I was shocked. So now I get to go back to the drawing board, figure out what I got to do. I've already messaged the UFC, said, "Hey, I'm ready to fight again. I'm, I'm in shape. Um, when can I fight again? You know, uh, I, I feel like." The fight was stopped earlier. I remember my corner saying, I think, like, 28 seconds. I remember less than 30 seconds. Uh, yes, she was bashing the shit out of me, but I was fully with it. I was fully aware of what was going on as soon as it stopped. I look over at him. You've seen the replay. I put my hands out. Like, what the hell? Um, but that's his decision. You have to respect his decision. Um, I felt like if I could have got a third round and my corner said, don't whatever you do, don't go to the ground, stand up. I might have pulled something out of somewhere, I don't know, to be able to win it. Um, who knows? But I stopped it a bit early. I feel like that's the thing with women's MMA, uh, that they always stop us early in, compar- in comparison to the men. But uh, I wish I could have given, been given a bit, bit more time to write out that round if I could have. Yeah, you know, you made headlines when you when you called the early stoppage sexist, and, and of course social media went crazy. But, you know, I can understand the connection. I can understand the connection that you made between, you know, uh, women's MMA being maybe uh, – 
like you said, I mean, the ref is, is giving you guys an unfair shake when it comes to fighting through adversity and potentially coming back. I mean, we've seen it time and time again in the men's divisions. Um, but can you elaborate on can Oh, you, my God, we've seen it that night. <laughs> I was going to say, can you elaborate on that a little bit more? You know, if anything, could you if you could say anything to, to Keith Peterson directly, what would it be? I mean, I know, I understand he's doing his job and he's doing what's in my best interest, but I feel like, like he knew there was only 30 seconds left. I feel like I could have waited it out. I'm sitting here fine today, totally with it. Nothing wrong with me, black eye, but um, some swelling in my cheek. I was never even bloody, no bloody. There was not even a hit hard enough to, to make me bleed. So um, why didn't you let the fight go on? And, and, and why do you let the guy fight? I heard he liked to call him early, and somebody said that he called the fighter earlier in that night. Like, and the thing that I thought I noticed with the WME, IMG buying over, I thought they started letting these fights go more than they used to. I felt like that was something maybe that these guys pushed these guys, these refs, like, hey, you guys, let these fights go. But it's always been the same thing with the women's fights. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. They're going to put a banana in my fucking shorts, get a crew cut, so they think I'm a fucking dude and let the fight go. Like, I need to do what, what Kron does in, and writes it. I remember he told me that, I don't know if this is true, but in his contract, um, that there's no TKOs, and they can't stand them up. So I kind of wish it was like that, you know, like that bitch needs to knock me out or I'm not fucking out. Like the fact that I was still able to get up, I was like, I was in it the whole time. I knew what was going on. I was still moving like he asked me to do, but I guess in his head, I just took too much. So he called it. I don't think it was right. And I don't know, did social media blow up that I, that I said that? But it's fucking true. I don't, honestly, my social media, I put out what I want to put out. I don't hardly ever see what other people write me. It's about me. It's not about them. If I want to know what they fucking said, I go to their social media. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) For sure. But, you know, again, it's just one of those things that, 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 that got some response. Um, I definitely agree with you. You know, women in the sport deserve the exact same opportunities and treatment that the men do. Um, but, you know, what's your response to some people maybe saying that, that, that you're making excuses with, with saying that the fight was stopped early? That's not an excuse. She won fair and square. She was, she was stronger. She overpowered me. She came in big and huge and heavy, and, and, I, and she fucking overpowered me. I did my best, and it wasn't good enough. She fucking won fair and square. Congrats to her. That's not an excuse. I just wish the fight would have gone longer. doesn't mean that she wasn't going to fucking... She could have fucking knocked me out. That would have been a better win for her. I'm not... What's my excuse? My excuse is that we gave her an opportunity to fucking knock me out some more. That's my fucking excuse. (laughs) Now, she was uh, very critical of you after the fight. You know, she said that the sport doesn't need you. You know, what would you say to her in response? I didn't know that she said that. Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering what would your response to that be, and you know, do you think it's fair to say something like that about you, considering the interest that you generate, whether it's controversial or not? What did she What did she say? Can you quote her? Because I don't even. I'm not even aware. Yeah, no. I can. I can pull it up. But uh, give me one second I, yeah, here. Yeah, I have no idea what she said. But she said that I did the, the what the sport. I don't need to be in the sport anymore. The sport is. I don't deserve to be. What? I don't get it. Give me one second here. Well, uh, I'll say this. I'll say this. Because, I mean, everybody knows I have haters. Um, uh, this, like, I didn't even know this until I was on the plane home, and uh, my coach showed me. This, this, like, the one, number one sports writer from Puerto Rico had a picture of me, and, like, the hashtag was, like, in Spanish, like, somebody has to say the story. And that, like, there was tons of people just the, the um, hold on. The anthem that I wrote, that I, I did the, um, I did the Puerto Rican anthem, which is about us. Uh, the Puerto Ricans are the people being pushed down and, and 
and, and pushed down and pushed down and being able to rise above that. So the fact that I was able to rise through what happened to us as a people through Hurricane Maria and use that stage is a fucking win and a victory in my book. <laughs> no matter what, I still get to come home and, and put the pieces together and let these people know that, hey, I did all of this while going through what every one of you have gone through. And I was still able to get to that stage and still be able to do my very best on that stage. And that is what makes me proud. That I brought chills to people when they heard that anthem and saw me walk out with that flag and represent all of us as a people of what we've been through. And I was able to actually make it there through everything. Because if you talk to anybody in Puerto Rico, they will tell you it's the craziest thing that I would have done that and gone to that fight and done that. But they can't, well, nobody can believe that I would have done that. But nobody can believe I even stayed here and trained through it. And I have three fucking kids. I can't just believe my fucking kids. I adopted two Puerto Rican kids, and I got my 15-year-old daughter. I couldn't leave them. But it's like, um, you know, I get emotional because nobody knows. I, I've seen death. I've seen somebody get ran over. I've seen knives get and guns get pulled on people. I've had to fight. I've been in the fucking middle of gunfights for a place to stay and food. And, and that is a fucking victory. To make it into that fucking cage after all that hell that we've been through. That's the fucking, that's what champs do. I'm sorry. Champion, champs are fucking, as a way of life. The fucking belt is superficial. I'm a fucking champ at life, man. And I champed through that fucking hurricane. And I, and I got to that stage and I got to tell my fucking story. And I got to represent Puerto Rico in that fucking cage as, as a fucking adopted Puerto Rican. Absolutely, absolutely. As you said, just all the struggles that you've had to go through just to get there is a victory in itself, and I think you deserve a ton of credit for that. Uh, but I did, but I did pull it up here. Her quote: um, I, "I don't think the sports need her. Needs her." Cooper told reporters, uh, "I don't think the UFC needs her. Maybe she needs it." As soon as I called her out on, uh, she was on Twitter freaking out. I think she gets something out of it. I don't mean to be mean. But I think she probably needed that a little bit. Uh, I don't think the sport needs her, but I think she needs it. I don't know what she's referring to, honestly. Cole, I don't even know what she's referring to. But, um, well, like, she can think what she wants. Um, I honestly, I, I, my, my last, my night, like, my, the thing that I thought as soon as I was done was, like, you know, I would say losing a fight, it hurts, like, a, like maybe, like, a relationship. You know, it fucking hurts. When you, like, even if you're the one who broke up with the person, or you're, you're the one who did it. Like, the winner or the loser of a fucking relationship. And it fucking hurts for a while, and, and you have to, like, get over it. That's kind of how losing a fight feels. Like, you know, it hurts for a while, and you have to get over it. But, fuck it. The best way to get over it is get, the best way to get over someone is get under a new one. No, I'm just kidding. I don't do that. But the best way to get over a fight is to get into a new one, I guess, because I'm ready to, I've been there fucking already training. I already fucking game planning. I already looked at my fight. It's the first fight I ever looked at as soon as I was done. Just criticize myself and see what I did. Um, so uh, I, I feel like, whoa, my fucking, she was on my back for that long and I had cardio. My fucking boxing got better. Like, when I come back to uh, losing or winning is only temporary until your next fight. So um, I get to fucking come back home and guess what? Oh, my God. My gym, we got a fucking ring in my gym because some other guy had to leave town. I got a fucking ring in his whole gym for $1,000. And my gym has um, got the windows up. And a fucking work week, a week of work has been done on this gym. And I get to come home to a fucking, my gym being rebuilt. And my fucking, my neighbor's house is starting to be rebuilt with the same fucking materials that we use for my, the scrap from my fucking gym. So it's like, 
I don't know what she's referring to. Well, again, again, I got to give you the credit for for staying out of the bullshit on social media. As I said, you're you're a pretty polarizing figure in this sport. Uh, while I do agree with you, definitely unjust considering everything you've been through. And again, you deserve a ton of credit for getting there. Uh, just just getting to the fight itself. But uh, you know, I feel like you're pretty misunderstood at this point. I mean, just hearing the emotion in your voice throughout all this, I gotta say, I think you catch a lot of unwarranted heat. Uh, do you think that's just because you're doing a good job of generating interest or be because maybe you're so outspoken about things or what do you chalk that up to? I don't really, I don't like that. Why like, I'm so misunderstood because who wants to be understood by the asses? Who wants to be misunderstood? Who wants to be understood by the masses? I don't like, I give a fuck what anybody thinks about me. People who know me, who've ever interacted with me, ask anybody who's ever actually met me and had a conversation with me. They fucking love me. Everybody else can believe what they want online um i but that's the thing that i don't understand it's all these people who what they they're unhappy because they feel like their nine-to-five jobs or they live in their safe zone and they never dare to venture out and do something that like a fighting or or do something where they might lose in front of a million fucking people um so the fact that i can have the balls to venture out and do those things and, and, and get on a stage like that and or say how i want but i'm not like a fucking um, Paige Van Zandt or, you know, they, they, they in the beginning told us that they want a, a good role model. When I was on top 20, they're like, if you want to be the one to run around, be the good role model type, don't be the bad girl type. I was like, I'm like, I'm just going to be me, but <laughs> <laughs> And hey, listen, we're seeing a ton of success with people playing maybe the villain role or the heel role, if you will, Colby Covington being one of them. And speaking of which, uh, you know, Chael Sonnen had made an interesting point uh, on last week's show, when I asked him about the Colby Covington and, and Verdum situation, he mentioned that what happened with you and Cyborg and the charges being pressed, it, it's a corporate policy that the UFC kind of forces you guys into, and you aren't exactly to blame for that. Um, so, you know, speaking of a bad guy, would you agree with Chael? And, you know, where does everything stand what, with you in that issue? Have talked you into yeah, he seems to think that, or he had stated that uh, that the UFC encourages you guys to press charges when there's something like that happening, uh, you know, outside of competition. I honestly don't want to say anything. I, I'm not going to cover that one. I won't say anything. Okay, so. fair enough, fair enough. We'll move on. So, changing gears from there, I wanted to get your opinion on the title picture at Strawweight. Uh, do you think Rose and uh, Ioana should have immediate rematch, or should Rose face somebody else? Um, I, I would say an immediate rematch just because they've let so many champs do that in the past. I would say that. Just only for that, like, I love Rose is actually a personal friend. Um, I love that Rose is a champ. I'll say one thing that I don't like. I think it's the stupidest fucking pussification of people to say, like, that thing's all this and how to treat a bully about her being a bully. Like, this is, we're fucking fighters. How the fuck do we bully each other? Like, if you want to, like, like, come on. Like, how to be, like, what? Though? I don't even know. I suppose we should talk personal about Rose's. Um, I don't know. I, my friend was just telling me this earlier. Like, oh, but Angela, she's bullied because she said that about when she was a child and she was a little girl. I was like, we're fucking fighters. Nobody ever said that about Connor. How about when he called what's his name a fucking Nazi? That's fucking, that is some fucking racist bullshit. And nobody wants to talk about that, but they want to talk about Joanna saying something about Rose when she was a little girl. We're fucking fighters. It builds a fight game. No fighter ever said anything. If Muhammad Ali never said anything. If Rose, Rose, Ronda Rousey never said anything. If fucking Conor McGregor never opened his mouth, the fight game would not be where it's at. I, you know what? You know, there's like, what happens when Superman and Batman fight each other? It was a boring-ass motherfucking movie. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, listen, I agree with you 100%, and I think, as I just mentioned, uh, when you play that villain role, you can have a lot more success sometimes than when you try to be the good guy. And as you said, it's fighting. You should all have thicker skin. I mean, the talking trash and you know talking shit back and forth to each other, that's part of promotion and something that you should expect as a combat athlete. I don't understand. I heard Joanna even has like they said that what I did was mean against Cyborg, and then I'm like, wait, but not to make fun of Rose since she was a kid. So that wait, so wait, who's the bully? Like, like, but I just don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's true. Like, I that's the thing is I hear of people talking about me. I never see it or like I don't look. And right now I don't have telephone communications where I'm at. Um, I had to like get out of my neighborhood, but I went to get coffee, so it's okay. Um, just to talk to you. So. Um, well, I greatly I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem, no problem. Uh, but, yeah, this whole, like, this whole bully mentality, not everybody just wants to fucking, like, throw that word around like it's nothing. Like, go the fuck up, you pussies. You're going to fucking make a bunch of pussies whose fucking kids' lunch money is going to get taken. Like, teach them fucking martial arts. Give them some cuts and confidence. Love your children the way you fucking should. Get off your motherfucking phones and pay some attention and make them feel loved and your kids want to be so fucking... Yeah, we definitely live in a society full of victims these days and it's uh, scary to think of where it could go from here. Uh, well, and the sexual harassment, then I hear this, like, like, so then, so I don't know if you know this, but Puerto Ricans, when they say hello to anybody, the women hug and kiss, the man or another woman, like a lot of cultures, Mexicans do the same thing, and literally they do it on both sides, in America, I guess, now you can't do that, I, I, I hugged this guy, um, I didn't even do the kiss part, which I'm used to, but I gave this guy a hug, a, a guy from Detroit, um, my driver, who actually, you know, I ended up becoming friends with him and his, and his sister, um, and he's like, oh, my God, are you allowed to hug women nowadays? I'm like, what the? I'm like, yeah, sexual harassment is more than I'm cut off from all that. I don't know what's going on with all that. <laughs> you don't um, want to know. You don't want to know. Okay, good. It's yeah. awful. <laughs> yeah, everybody, I get it. I get it. Uh, again, women deserve the same treatment as men, and, and you should not have to deal with sexual harassment in the workplace, but you also have to draw a line at some point where it's just, you know, victimization of everybody and – uh, well, if you're bringing it up years later, why didn't you bring it up then? Sorry. Like, like, if it was that bad, I don't understand. Like, why did you, like, you teach people how to treat you. Motherfucker grabs me on the ass, he's getting slapped, and he knows he's not going to fucking do it again, and there'll be something done about it. But if you allow somebody to do that to you every day, if you do that, then I feel like you're allowing, like, you allow people how to treat you. So I draw a line at myself personally. Maybe some women don't have that strong of, of, a, of, a, of a self-esteem to be able to do that, but... I don't know. I just know if somebody tried to grab my ass, they're getting slapped. <laughs> well, again, you're a fighter, so maybe it's a little different for you, but I, I agree with you. My daughter's the same way. Actually, um, got into a fight with a neighbor. <laughs> That's kind of what I was referring to earlier. Um, about, because his kids, my daughter warned him, warned him, warned him in the swimming pool, and he slapped her ass, and my fucking daughter dumped him under the water and punched him in the arm, and it started this big drama. <laughs> Oh boy! So even even with a little bit of devastation, some things never change in the neighborhood, huh? No, no, no they definitely apologized, and uh, uh, actually, no, it's crazy. Is is so so they apologized, but this guy first first he fucking started he got drunk and started threatening shit, right? Well, the neighborhood didn't like that, and they had some guy show up at his door with two guns on his thing. Like you don't fucking threaten people. <laughs> It's like the fucking wild west here, but it's all good. We have like no crime because everybody takes care of shit here. You don't rape a kid. You don't like you. Somebody rapes a kid in fucking Puerto Rico. You die before you get to prison. And if you get to prison, the only gang there is in Puerto Rico is Nietas, and they'll fucking kill you once you get in there for raping somebody. They actually are run off of a nonprofit too. Um, 
things are really weird. Yeah, but cool. But like back in the day, you can't, you can't, yeah, you can't get away with a lot of shit. You fucking, I, my wallet was dropped the other day. Somebody brought it to me with like over a thousand dollars on it and my shit. And I live in fucking La Perla, supposedly the, the scariest neighborhood to live in. And it's like, I can leave my kids out. I can leave my wallet out. I can leave everything out. And I'm going to have to worry about shit. And everybody who locks their doors and lives in these gated communities are so worried. Yeah, you, you you used to see that with the mob. You know, the, I'm from Rhode Island. Uh, the mafia was very, very big here in the 70s and 80s. And, uh, you know, that was one of the things that you always saw. There was a lot of community. They were they were stand-up guys. For all the bad shit they were doing, they would still do things for the community. They would... There was like an unspoken code, you know what I mean? So, sounds to be the... Exactly how it is. Yeah, it sounds to be it's the like same way They're, they're dealing with drugs and their own thing. If you identify the gun, die, but they're gone. As long as you're not involved in drugs, you're good. And that shit goes on the other side of the neighborhood. Like, my daughter... Yeah, my daughter is... Um, I've, I've never really... Um, censored my children, but living here, they're even less censored. Right. Like, you don't know how many times a bag of cocaine is on the fucking floor. It's just like, okay, so yeah, I'll go throw it away. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I could go on and on and on about funny stories like, like that. So, so with all that being said, I mean, are you're you're comfortable there? You don't want to eventually maybe move on from there, or your heart is set there now? No, no, I love it. I'm actually, I have a gym that is um. um opening like we, we just we're, we're cleaning it right now as we speak um and it's uh it's open for the community it's called Nesta de la Perla la Perla boxing gym um and I run it free I've been doing it since January I've already been teaching these kids they've got fighters um I teach anybody in the local com- in the community here for free give them an opportunity to have something else that life than just being one of the drug dealers down the street you know? well I gotta t- I gotta Some tell you it's, it's kind of sad it's kind of sad you, you I try to help some of these boys that I can tell that their dads are the, the druggies. Is. And um, I've already tried to help them. And one of the older men in the community who has been like the assistant director for like 40 years here is like, that one is too late for that one. It's kind of fucked up because I haven't given up on him. But like, you can kind of see already, I can already tell in the year I've been here, like at what age and the line in which they, they just, they think it's cool. Like that's the cooler life to fucking wear, like be the one that can afford the Air Jordans and the fucking haircuts every week and from selling drugs and that's like and, and it's already at like eight nine years old they already make that fucking decision it's weird but I, I'm gonna have that to where they always have that no matter what they know they can go into that gym and they can put those boxing gloves on and they can forget about everything else going on yeah I think that uh you know crime and poverty or have a lot to do with socioeconomics and opportunity so I uh, I commend you a lot for what you're doing there I gotta say I give you a ton of props you know going into this conversation I've never had the opportunity to speak with you um I gotta say, you seem like pretty cool people to me. I don't know why you catch so much bullshit on the internet, but. Um... I guess. Because fucking, because they're they're all my marks, all right. I set them all up, okay. and it works. But listen, you, you've been more than generous with your time. I just have a couple more questions here for you. Getting back to your own career, I know you've said that you've contacted the UFC. You've told them that you like to get back in there. But was there a medical suspension after the fight? And if so, realistically, how quickly could we see you back in competition? I think my medical suspension is three weeks, right? That's what they told me. That unless they put something else out. Did you read that something else? No, no, no. That's why I'm asking. I, I wasn't sure. Oh, okay. You never know, man. I remember one time I saw something and it said like some possibly six months, but I think they had me mixed up with somebody else or something. It wasn't me. Um, but uh, no, I'm I'm ready. I'm like, um, I, I don't know. I'm in shape. They told me no contact or suspension for three weeks, so what, four weeks of fucking away, I'll fight again. Like, I feel good, I feel ready. 
I'm in shape. Like I said, the best thing to do to get over one fight is to get into another one, I think. Yeah, get get back on the horse and get back to it, that's for sure. And you know what? Honestly, this is what I was just telling my coach, too. Um, I feel like, fuck it. This is my first fight. I'm all in one because I just fixed this blood disease I had. Like, I had to get fucking transfusions. Um, I've been going back and forth with USADA on TUEs, what I can do, how many milligrams of this I can have in my fucking body with the goddamn IV fluid that they have to give me my IV meds in. Like, I'm sitting there with cancer patients a few days a week getting fucking blood treatments and shit. So I'm just now figuring out this health problem I've had my entire motherfucking life that I've never treated and it has been a handicap. So now I'm barely able to perform and train like I should. So now, whatever, my book. I'm all in one since fixing myself. And, and I had a heart disease. I actually was supposed to have a heart surgery, but I think I'm going to put that off for as long as I can. Yeah, what, what can you tell us about the, the stuff with the IVs? I know I saw the headline that, that you had recently found out that you had an illness that, that's been plaguing you for a while. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, yeah, it's an illness where, where my, my red blood cells, just they can't figure out. It's not like a normal anemia. My red blood cells kill themselves off before they can figure out what's going on with them. Um, so pretty much that's what it is. I have really low hemoglobin, really low hematocrit, all those which carry your oxygen, really low levels. So they're having to give me, like, transfusions and shit. I didn't even know. They still, um, they thought they, they did thought it was just, like, lady girl, girl problems. They rolled all that out. They, they, they are finally had to go down the street. They thought it was a certain type of anemia, thalassemia. They thought it was all these different things. Um, and we're still trying to figure some stuff out. There's, um, effects that it did on my heart because my body didn't have enough oxygen and my body was working with not enough oxygen all these years so it gave me a heart condition was they just have to go in and like make a scar tissue so that my heart stops going crazy when it goes crazy um but yeah i've i've i'm figuring out all these health problems so now that i'm um figuring all this out and almost settled with that like i feel like this is my time now i had such a handicap in the past like cardio was the worst part about it and a, and a bad heart so I got my heart fixed, I got my blood fixed, and I'm ready. I am so excited to be in there training and learning and growing. It sounds sounds kind of like, uh, you know, with with the devastation and, and everything that's gone on, it's kind of like a uh, phoenix rising from the ashes. It, it, it's the kind of story that sounds better like... Better watch out, 115, better watch out, I got fucking electricity now, fuck. <laughs> well, Angela... Fuck, nobody can stop me. I, I, again, I, I greatly, greatly appreciate you coming on the show tonight. Uh, as I said, you're a very polarizing figure, uh, but you also deserve the same courtesy and respect as, as other athletes in the game. And I hope that the rebuilding process continues for you and all of your neighbors and moves in the right direction. Uh, hopefully we can catch up again soon. Any shout-outs or anything you'd like to say before we let you go? Um, just, you know, shout-out to all my doctors. You guys worked really hard to help me to be where I'm at. Um, Dr. Growl, Dr. Ferretis, um, my all my other doctors that I can't remember their names because they have three fucking names in Puerto Rico. Um, I love you guys, my teammates, my coaches, um, everybody who like were letting me crash at their house in the daytime just to take naps, stroll. People who fucking bought me food, people who tell me to take care of the kids, like um, and Puerto Rico, man. I love Puerto Rico. My heart is Puerto Rican. So um, thank you just to all my Puerto Rico family. Thank you to the haters. You guys made me so famous. Thank you, guys. Nobody would have known me who I am without your hate. I really love you guys. Thank you. <laughs> embrace them. Embrace them. No, it's true. Though. Like, like real quick, if you watch the news, what is it? It's all about hate and fear and all that. Like, when they talk about the good part of me on top, nobody gave a fuck. As soon as they talked about me being a bitch, everyone gave a fuck. Well, if I post a picture of the gym, I get 100 views. If I post a picture of me talking shit about 
cyborg, I get 50,000 views. What the fuck am I going to do? I'm all about the attention. Anybody on Facebook. The more likes we get, the more money we make. I don't give a fuck if you're there to hate me or like me. I'm making money off your ass. So thank you. <laughs> well, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, Her Majesty, a great heel, especially in the women's divisions. We don't have enough people doing it like you. Uh, greatly appreciate the time. And again, hope to catch up soon. You have a wonderful evening down there in Puerto Rico. Thanks. You too. Have a good night. All right, Penn Nation, we are now joined yet again by the femme fatale they call the bullet, Valentina Shevchenko. Thanks, as always, for taking the time to speak with us today, Valentina. Where are you calling us from? Uh, right now, I'm in Houston, Texas, helping to my sister in her preparation for her upcoming fight, 22 of December, and she will fight in Dubai, and her MMA fight, and Phoenix fight in the championship promotion, so I'm doing my uh, regular routine, training every day, and doing that's what I like to do. Yeah, I remember last time we spoke, you had mentioned that your sister was going to be getting back into MMA, uh, has that fight coming up. How is she looking so far for this training camp? Uh, she's looking very like focused for the fight every time she when she's preparing she is very focused and uh, very like good sharp form and feeling excellent so I think it will be a very good fight because she's now in very strong form. Very good, very good. Now also the last time we spoke uh, you you had talked about how you were traveling the United States training wherever you wherever you got a chance to stop. Are you still traveling with your sister, or are you guys really focused right now in Houston? That's where you plan to stay until the fight. Uh, right now, we will stay all the time uh, before the fight in Houston. We don't uh, don't think about traveling, but we just came back from the uh, our way from from Las Vegas to here, and we was like driving to uh, from um, Las Vegas. Uh, we went to um, to. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Santa Fe, we went to Albuquerque, we spent a little bit time there, uh, then we went to El Paso and some uh, small cities um, in Texas, and it's like very nice, and we, every hour stay, where we stayed, we was training in the gyms, like with the guys who was like MMA fighter also, so it's every time great to meet, like I said before, this kind of people, and um, we really enjoy our every single minute of our trip. Awesome, awesome, very cool stuff. I know when we had spoke last time, you said that you were getting to train all over the place, see the country, uh, very awesome stuff considering that you get a chance to work with all kinds of different people as well as take in all the, all the sites that there are to see in the United States. Um, but I also saw today that you were posting some old pictures, one of which uh, you were three years old in a, in a flower garden, I believe. Where was that taken? I, it was taken um, in year 91. It was uh, out of Kyrgyzstan, Bishkek City, where I was born. And this exactly picture is was taken in Isikul Lake. We have very beautiful lake in the mountains, and every people who live in Kyrgyzstan and Kazakhstan and all countries who are uh, like nearby us, uh, they come to the lake and visit and spend there like all the summer. And we used to do our training camp. 
during all summertime and we was training there, swimming there, cooking there, like just living and enjoying the nature. So it's uh, the Isiko Lake, it's a very special place for me and uh, every time when, uh, for example, if you are saying about your place of power, I would say Isiko, Isiko Lake is my place of power. Well, it was certainly a very beautiful scenery. Do you do you get a chance to get back there often at all, or, or is that something that maybe you have planned for for the future? I wish I I could visit more often. And last time I was there, it was 2011, and in 2011 we was uh, pre uh, preparing for World Muay Thai Championship in Uzbekistan, and like it's a very short trip from Uzbekistan to Kyrgyzstan, we spent it's the same like all summer training and doing like all the great things in Isiko Lake. I wish I be, uh, I could travel there like more times, but of course, um, uh, for now, it's my number one, it's doing things like my job as good as I can, do whatever like I have to do, and then of course, when I will have some free time, go there and right. uh, like to enjoy my favorite places. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I certainly hope that maybe after this title win, you can you can get back there and get back to your roots a bit more. But let's waste no time. We'll jump right into it. I've got to imagine that you watched all the tough finale over the weekend. Uh, I'm sure after watching all those women compete, you're even more eager to get back into competition yourself now. Yes, for sure. I was watching the fight. It was very like good fight, very entertainment fight. It was five minutes, like I say, five minutes, no stop, no one, uh, no one girl wanted to quit, and uh, both girls, they put, like, all heart that they had, and showing, like, very good, very, uh, very nice fight, and, of course, uh, my number one goal, like it was before, and it's still right now, it's to uh, be the champion of UFC, and uh, I'm very glad that um, now we have one more cut weight, cut weight class 125 and because like it's uh, my natural weight class and I feel like uh, fighting in this 125 I will have more opportunity to show more skills from me more techniques from me because it's different when you are have to fight with bigger size opponent and it's different when you have to fight with the same size opponent it doesn't matter for example for me because in 135 uh, I was feeling the same good. I was feeling very strong there, and uh, everything was great. But I feel for 125, for, uh, 125, it's more natural weight class for me. Yeah, I know. I know. Last time we spoke, we talked a bit about the weight cut and how, uh, you know, maybe size might play a factor at 135. However, at 125, uh, you'll be much better suited to have a real advantage over all these women. But uh, first, let, let's talk about uh, Nico Montoyo for a moment. After seeing her compete, uh, do you think she'll be a good matchup for you in the future? And did you notice anything that you feel you could exploit? Uh, of course, it will be a good match because she's a title holder, and this is what I want. Right. <laughs> and uh, no nothing less. And But I know that she received injury on her last fight. That's why she cannot compete for a while. And I don't want just to wait. I want uh, to fight because this is my lifestyle. This is what I like to do. I don't want just sit and wait. I don't want to sit for one year and wait for something. No, I will fight. I will fight in 125 making my, like, think what I have to make, fighting with the top opponent of this uh, weight uh, weight class division, and uh, just do it, be closer to my goal, and where it will be time to fight, 
I will be ready every time. Yeah, it was something I wanted to talk about a little bit later in regards to her injury possibly being out and, and what that means for you. But the other ladies on the card, they certainly put on a show as well. A couple of arm bars in there. What did you make of the other women on the card? Did anybody stand out for you personally? I, you know, it's like um, I will fight everyone. It doesn't matter who, because I never was uh, choosing my opponent. Every every time I was like, okay, I will fight her, I will fight her. It doesn't matter who for me, because I'm a fighter. I'm um, like I have to show that I'm the best one and to show what whatever they will give me. And of course, I saw a lot of very skillful girls, and they have very good nights, uh, like very uh, high-level technique, and um, because uh, for now um, I see that MMA and all girls that fight in MMA, it's not only some striking against some grappling, no, it's already like it's formed formed fighter, MMA fighter, and it's like universal fighters. They have to know everything and how to strike and how to grapple and how to wrestle. So this is the most important. And in the, in that show on Friday, I saw that all girls from there, it's already like not only one style. It's exactly MMA style. And this is what I very enjoy watching it. And it shows like uh, skills from different sides, not only from one. Absolutely. They're definitely all <clears throat> well-versed. Uh, and, and as you just said there, that kind of lends itself to the evolution of the game, not only in the women's division, but you know, throughout all of mixed martial arts. We see more and more now that uh, athletes aren't just one-faceted trying to attach other aspects to their game. They start off learning all the aspects of the game, and uh, it certainly reflects itself in the fights like we saw on Friday. But there's been a lot of talk surrounding this new women's division, obviously, and I think uh, the general consensus amongst everybody uh, is that you're going to be more than a handful for the majority of these ladies. Uh, Chris and I, from you know, Chris Taylor from, from the website, he and I discussed this the other day. Uh, we both agree that this, this division is probably yours for the taking. Um, now that you've seen all the women in competition, do you already feel like the uncrowned champ at this point? You know, I'm I'm very glad to hear these things from you and from people. I really like appreciate it. But from my side, I don't want to think like this because I know from my experience of martial arts that uh, every time when I prepare for the fight, I have to uh, focus me that I prepare for the very dangerous opponent. Because if not, um, you will not do the same things. Uh, in the fight, you will think, okay, I got it, doesn't matter. But no, you have to uh, keep in your mind this, like, uh, every time be focused. Because even um, not very strong opponent can knock out you if you will be too much, like, uh, confident. It's not the way what I, I think in all. And, for example, in all my martial arts career, I was preparing for each my fight very strong like it's last time and I will keep doing the same because I it does, doesn't matter for me I don't care what like I really appreciate what people saying but I will prepare like two times more stronger stronger than I did before this is like I am and I cannot do nothing with this no I completely understandable and I know that you're a very very humble athlete in this sport and that's very refreshing for especially guys like myself who find that uh, you know, there's a lot of trash talk and, and, and that kind of thing, when in reality, it'd be nice to see a lot more of these athletes get back to 
uh, being humble in competition and respecting your opponent. Uh, but again, from the outside looking in, it's really hard to think of anybody that, that, that would uh, be able to give you some trouble in this division so far. Uh, so last time we spoke, uh, you we, we talked about the Paige Van Zandt call out or requesting her for the fight. Uh, she had declined, unfortunately. Is there any updates at all that you can give us on, you know, when we can finally expect to see this flyweight debut? And has there been any offers or opponents discussed with the UFC at this point? Um, not yet. We don't have any update yet, but uh, my team, my manager, they are speaking with UFC and looking for an opponent for the name. So uh, I hope in the beginning of the year they will find uh, any options for me. So I just um, keep training and be ready every time. But um, like personally me, I want to fight sometime in the beginning of the year because I think it was enough time of uh, like uh, enough time of rest and it's time for action again. <laughs> yeah, I know uh, you had mentioned it last time we had you on the show. You talked about how you wanted to fight in January, maybe February. Uh, Paige has been booked against uh, Jessica Rose Clark in January. That was around the same time that you wanted to fight, right? Um, yes, I think so, but it doesn't matter for me. And uh, actually, you know, I never was thinking that uh, Paige, uh, in like in reality, she will agree the fight because, of course, she's a clever girl and she understands everything. But uh, what I wanted to show that uh, if you are throwing something, like this kind of words, that I'm next for the title five, fight, you have to respond for it. This is what my number one intention. And uh, if you are sure that you are deserve it, yes, you have to fight with the top one. It's what we are uh, speaking in the last time about this situation. But uh, of course, it doesn't matter for me. They can be scheduled with uh, uh, whoever. I don't care really much because I'm focused on my career, on my opponents. And uh, my main goal is to be the champion and to have the UC uh, belt. And of course, um, I'm more focused on real opponent and um, uh, more focused, more forward. So that being said, I mean, at this point, will you take any fight that's offered to you or, or is it got to be one that's going to put you in line for the title? Um, you know, with this, uh, this, with this injury of Nico, I think she will have um, to recuperate like, a little bit more time and I don't want to wait so long and I would just to fight um, I think uh, uh, my manager and you see they're speaking about more like uh, the same level opponent and um, I hope it will be very soon we will have some news and um, I will put in there this this style of preparation again now I know uh, I know that you've talked about you know needing to take a fight to prove that you're worthy within a within a weight division to get that title fight. But if the U, if the UFC was to offer you Nico maybe a little later on than you wanted to take a fight, you know obviously you're eager to get back in there. But if they're offering you a title fight to where you maybe you'd have to sit out a little bit longer, is that something that you'd say yes to? Uh, you know, it will be too much for me, and uh, it's already past how many months, uh, since September, um, like four or five months, five months, and I think it's enough. Good, uh, like uh, too long break in the career, it's not so good. I think one one year, it's too much. 
and uh, for me i don't want to lose this uh like uh level that i have already that's why i don't want to wait so long and um, i know exactly if i will prepare good and uh put in my preparation everything and just do things uh what i used to do it's every everything will be the same way and i will receive the same the same like title fight but when she will be good and that's why for me there is no like reason to wait and just sit without any fight no yeah, and I gotta say, I, I commend you for having that kind of attitude, and it just speaks to, speaks volumes to the kind of character that you have. But uh, I just wanted to shift topics here for a moment. Wanted to get your pick for the Holly Holm and uh, Chris Cyborg fight. How do you see that one playing out? Uh, you know, I think that um, from the beginning, I will I will be rooting for Holly Holm. I uh, wish her to win this fight, and you know, I think she has. She has everything to win this because she has character, she has technique, she has power. And, uh, of course, Chris Cyborg, she is, like, outstanding athlete. She is very good fighter. But, um, anyway, um, I, I saw her fight, like, last fights in UC. And, um, actually, not one girl, they didn't give this, um, like, uh, Rivalty to her. They just was waiting the time, the good heat, and just like, okay, I'm done. I was doing it. I was standing here for a few minutes. It's okay. It's enough for me. But from Holy Home, it will be till the last minute she will be fighting. And I think that she has very, very high chance to win this fight. Very competitive matchup uh, on paper and Certainly hope that it plays out that way. I wanted to get your expert opinion on, on the matchup and uh, uh, makes a lot of sense to me, your analysis. Uh, but what did you think of UFC 218? A lot of great fights on the card. What was your favorite fight of the evening? Who do you think put on the best show? I think it was very good fight and I really enjoyed all, each fight. Of course, uh, every time my uh, taking more attention for me is girls' fight and um, every girl they were showing their like uh, everything from them. And but of course, uh, I think the, my favorite fight it was the title fight between Holloway and Aldo. So it was um, very nice and good fight. It's uh, I, I I wish like but but it's never you never know um, how it will end and just uh, both fighters they show their like better side best sides and in this time Max Holloway he showed like uh, very good spirit and technique for sure and uh, very impressive stuff by him to be able to beat Jose Aldo Jose Aldo rather uh, uh, two times uh, something that no other featherweight can claim and uh, defended the, t the title successfully. Uh, but listen, you've been more than generous with your time. Just a couple more questions here for you. Uh, I know... Uh, oh, uh, Go ahead. And just one, just one more. And I would say a little bit more about racing Gano, but it was so quick, but it was one shot, but very powerful. It was like very strong. He's very, very strong fighter. When we were um, in Las Vegas and we was like there for about three weeks maybe and we was every day training there with my sister, with our coach, Pal Fidotov. And every day Francis and uh, his team, they was training there. Like, and he's a very nice guy. He's very like, uh, um, 
every time he he's never thinking about himself too much and uh, i was um really rooting for him and he show everything like just in one punch this is it scary guy huh it's true it's true <laughs> for sure i mean i i know that that was, the talk was uh this was going to be his first big test would he be able to get past over him certainly did so with flying colors and and uh, showed some power that I think the entire division should be very, very, very afraid of. Uh, so very interesting stuff. But as you mentioned, seems to be a very cool guy outside of the cage as well. Yes, it's true. It's like not because I was uh, um, uh, during all these like years of martial arts, I, I saw many heavyweight guys and uh, everyone is different. But uh, he was like very nice, very like um, calm and just. Uh, doing his things, what he has to do, don't worry about uh, nothing, and every time he was like, uh, he was saying like, um, sometimes we was after the training, everybody went to the cafeteria, and uh, he was uh, just taking his lunch or, or whatever, and he said, uh, actually, I, I say, uh, I don't want to eat too much because I'm feeling good, I'm feeling strong, but my team, my coach, my uh, nutritionist from UC, they, they said, I have to eat more, so <laughs> this is uh, this is why I'm taking these things. But he said, I'm like I don't don't need to eat too much because I'm feeling strong enough without all these kind of things. <laughs> and that's something that you're going to have to be worrying about now going forward, right? A little bit more dieting to to make it to 125. Yes, exactly. A little bit more dieting, but it's fine with me yeah, because um, uh, I don't like this extremely cutting weight. I don't like to cut too much in the last days. And I prefer to, uh, right now, I'm already on my diet and I'm going, going down slowly. And um, I prefer to be like 130 for the fight week and to have just five pounds to cut down for the last um, maybe one day before the way in so it will be for me perfect because I prefer healthy style and uh, doesn't matter if I will be a little bit less waiting a little bit less but I will have much more power without suffering with this all kind like uh, diet no water no food no nothing no I don't want this <laughs> yeah I could I couldn't agree with you more I think that uh, more people should try to fight closer to a natural weight and even then with you moving down just cutting five pounds that's not going to be a detriment to your body so uh, I certainly agree with you 100% but again you've been more than generous with your time uh, just a couple more things we'll wrap this up uh, I know I asked you this last time we spoke but what is the deadline for you and your team to have a flight announcement I mean when is when is the final date that that you need to have a fight announced by Ah, uh, you know, as soon as we get something, this is, will be like deadline because I don't have any. I don't like to put nothing uh, in front of me that I have to do like this or uh, this. No, I don't like this. Um, I just keep in doing what uh, I'm training every day. I'm in the good form right now. That's why I'm doing all my things that I have to do. And when something opportunity appears, I catch it. I don't like to fool how I say to put in front of me oh I have to do this, this, this before this date and when this date is come and something went wrong I will feel like very frustrated. No, I don't, li don't like these things. I just do whatever I can without any suffer suffering or something like this. I just enjoy my life. For sure, for sure. So still targeting end of January, maybe early February. 
Um, does that seem realistic to you? Is there any card in particular that lines up with those dates that you'd like to be a part of? Uh, not yet, not any calls, but um, we still have like a mm, month and a half, maybe two months, and I think it's enough time. And I think, I hope before the end of the year we will have some name on the list and the agreement will be signed from both sides and both uh, of us we will put all uh, power and strength for preparation and just to show good fight. Awesome. I certainly hope so as well. Uh, we look forward to the fight being announced soon. Everybody here at BJPenn.com, we look forward to you becoming the champ in 2018. Any shout-outs you'd like to get in before we let you go? Um, thank you, Jason, every time for uh, having me on your uh, program. It's every time my pleasure. And just uh, wishing for everyone a very good day. And um, wishing very good luck to my sister and her upcoming, upcoming fight, 22 of December in Dubai. I will help with everything that I can and uh, just see us next time absolutely always appreciate the time Valentina definitely looking forward to her fight as well wish her the best of luck from everybody on the team and uh, when your fight finally gets announced hopefully we can catch up then thank you very much for joining us tonight you have a wonderful evening thank you Jason bye 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 alright Penn Nation please welcome back to the show next in line for a shot at the light heavyweight crown Good friend of BJPenn.com, Volkan No Time Ozdemir. Thanks for joining us today, Volkan. Are you calling us from uh, the Florida sunshine this afternoon? Yes, it's a beautiful day today, and uh, yeah. Very good, man. Very good. Uh, I know that you know Thanksgiving is an American holiday, but you know, given that you've been stateside for a while now, did you and uh, the missus do anything for the holiday? Yeah, we've been uh, with her family. Uh, we had a we had a nice nice, nice big meal. I, I wasn't able to eat too much, but uh, <laughs> I tried I tried a little bit of everything. Cool, man. Very good, very good. So let's jump right into it. Uh, as it would come true on the show, you know, you talked about it before on the show. It's finally come true. I believe it was like the first time we interviewed you, man. Here we are, less than a year from the UFC debut. You're challenging for the title. How excited were you uh, when the deal got signed and this fight became official? Really excited. Uh, I knew he was about to come. I knew uh, everything was in the process, you know. But um, once it's, it was really official and, uh, and I was able to see the, you know, the the, the poster, uh, then everything became even more real. Absolutely, very cool stuff. It was announced last week that you and DC will be fighting in Boston for UFC 220. Uh, how long have you known that the fight was happening for sure? And and when did you officially sign the contract? So. We we verbally agreed, uh, you know, since a while, but um, then I was waiting on a, on a, on a paper, and uh, the paper came. I signed it the next day, and uh, and the same night uh, it was uh, it was on the, on a MMA podcast. Sweet, sweet. So before we discuss the matchup with DC, if I'm not mistaken, I believe you told me in one of our previous conversations. Uh, that you've been up northeast to, to corner Sean Soriano in Rhode Island, is that correct? Yes, I've been there once, yeah. Now, did you get a chance to check out Boston while you were up this way, or have you ever been to Boston? And if not, no, I hope you no, get a chance. I've never been there, and uh, I always wanted, actually. Uh, it's it's a nice city. I have a friend that, that went to school over there, and um, he always told me uh, some really nice stuff about the city, so I, I'm excited. Yeah, I certainly hope that you get a chance to experience the city before and after the fight. Very cool place. 
that being said, how excited are you to compete for these diehard New England sports fans up here? Yeah, a lot. I know definitely it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big fan base over there, so it's pretty exciting. Cool. So moving on to the matchup against D.C., uh, you know, at face value, it looks like a classic striker versus grappler fight. But what's your assessment uh, between both of your skill sets and, and what challenges he presents to you? I mean, we all know he's an accomplished wrestler, but uh, first of all, he's uh, one of the best uh, uh, fighter in uh, in uh, in MMA. He's uh, one of the best pound for pound guys, so he's a he's a really talented fighter also. So he's coming uh, from a wrestling background, and I'm coming from a striking background. But definitely, it's uh, it's the highest level uh, of the UFC. We're both fighting, uh, you know, for for a while now. Uh, he's been holding the belt also for a long time and um you you're going to see uh, definitely a, a full you know a full display of uh, of uh, MMA fight now i know you were asked yesterday on the MMA hour you know about bringing people in for your camp to to help with DC's wrestling i found it pretty interesting uh when you said that you'd be bringing guys from back home uh that you're more comfortable with can you tell us a little bit about some of the people that you plan on working with for this camp yeah, I'm bringing one of my uh, first uh, coach um, from back in the day. Um, I have uh, also one of my uh, sparring partners that I've been uh, working with with for like maybe five, six years now. And um, it's a lot of people that 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 also know me well. Um, we've been talking a lot about different stuff. They know the way I think. We, we you know, we like to share stuff. Uh, about fighting so you know we it's it's a it's a good uh, i have a good feeling uh, i like to have a good feeling around me you know people i, I enjoy to have uh, around me when i when i'm getting ready so that, that's also the one of the reasons yeah atmosphere is everything and uh you know i've got to say man it kind of reminded me of, of conor mcgregor uh you know when he had talked about sticking to your roots and and working with people that have known you from the beginning uh, you know, it, it, it not only says a lot about loyalty, but, you know, also the fact that having people around you that know you, as you said, uh, know how to motivate you, know how to speak to you, and you, things of that nature, I'm sure you would agree with that. No, that's, that's uh, yes, definitely the, the reason. Now, um, what's up with Rumble? Will he be working with you at, at all for this camp? You know, considering that he's already fought DC twice, I feel like he'd be a great asset for you getting ready for this fight. Yeah, I haven't I haven't reached out to him so so and I haven't seen him at the gym for a while. I think uh, he's he's doing his stuff right now. So you know, I I, I let him be. Okay, so he he's not in the gym these days and just kind of out pursuing the the business ventures. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Now I I heard some rumors that you guys used to have some really ep- epic sparring sessions. Care to share anything about with about that with us? It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, we we both uh, going really hard. You know, Rumble, uh, Rumble, you know, spar really hard. He strike really hard also, and um, no, it was it was nice for people to see it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, uh, hear that it was epic. So uh, you know, iron sharpens iron. Definitely says a lot about uh, your skill set and and uh, helping each other get to the to the pinnacle of the sport. Uh, but you know, a lot. There's been a lot of rumors talking about him coming back at heavyweight. Do you think there's any truth to that? Uh, I think everybody will uh, has to find his own motivation, and 
if he has a, if that's one of his challenge and uh, if he, uh, he can find something that motivate him, you know, of course he, he, I'm pretty sure he's going to come back. True, very true, very true. Be very interesting to see him come back at heavyweight. Uh, heavyweight was something I wanted to ask you about here in, in just a moment, but getting back to DC and the wrestling thing here, uh, what would you say to anybody that's doubting your wrestling ability going into this fight and your ability to stop him from taking you down at will? Yeah, I mean, um, MMA is a, is a complex game. Uh, we, we've seen a lot of, uh, of wrestlers being taken down. DC has been taken down also by, by many guys that, that are not supposed to be wrestlers also, you know. Um, so so it's all about the, the your stance, uh, when do you use um, any proper technique. And uh, it's a really complex game. So, so it's all about putting everything together. And I think... Uh, I'm I'm gonna do really well with this. Um, my striking is getting really sharp right now. My wrestling is improving so much, and uh, it's gonna be uh, I'm gonna show it uh, on January 20. So Chael Sonnen had said something very interesting on the show last week. He had made the point that DC, in a way, you know, of, of kind of calling you out on social media or agreeing to the fight, that that was very uncharacteristic of a champion. You know, they usually get told who they're fighting. Uh, both you guys have kept it pretty classy so far. Seems to be a lot of mutual respect between the both of you. But this is a very risky fight for DC. You stormed into the scene. The fans are still getting to know you at this point, And you have the ability to knock guys out and make it look effortless. Uh, would you agree that, that other guys in DC's position may not have taken this fight with you just yet? I mean, pretty cool of him to honor the uh, code of contenders, right? No, definitely. Um it's a it's a it's a risk for him uh, also because uh, I don't have a, a big name yet. So um, if we if you think about it business wise, and you know it's a, it's also it's something something you have to think about. So yeah, it's a big risk. Uh, but um, I think uh, he, he made a poll and uh, and uh, I was number one in the poll. So I guess he, he chose. Um, he was concerned about what the fans want, and uh, the fans just uh, chose me, so I think it's pretty classy also. For sure, for sure, and very cool to see the, the fans getting behind you. I mean, while you might not be a huge name yet, you're certainly getting there, and I think that all of the people that actually follow this sport recognize your skill and your ability and your talent, and uh, obviously that's why they voted for you. Uh, but shifting gears here for a moment, you briefly discussed the fact that Luke Rockhold is going to be around you for this camp when you were on the MMA Hour yesterday. Uh, I know, I know, you said that you'll be avoiding him, but you know, some people are calling him a spy in your camp. I think it's mostly being said jokingly, but there is that possibility as well. Give us your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, uh, we started everything with a, with a joke, you know. Of course, um, I think it's a, it, it was pretty funny uh, everything that happened with this. Um, I'm not avoiding him, like you know, like maybe I use the wrong word, uh, but I'm I'm like you know respectful. I'm not gonna go go to him and uh, ask for you know any advice or tips or anything like that. That's not just not who I am. So so I'm just working on my stuff. Oh, the dog is puking. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, that's a small dog, so it's fine. <laughs> What kind of one, dog? One second. Uh, it's a Chihuahua mix uh, with a rat terrier. Oh, wow. Oh, so no, nothing. Uh, yeah, so what was I saying? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Okay. You're talking about, uh, you know, not necessarily avoiding Luke, but yes, focusing yes, on I'm yourself. I'm not avoiding him, but um, I'm respecting the, the relationship they have together, of course. Um, they're, both, uh, they're both great warriors, and, uh, and uh, uh, I don't need, I think I don't need any any help also like that, or way more. So I'm doing my stuff, you know, I got my coaching, that's enough for me. Now, in regards to him maybe, uh, you know, checking out what you're doing, are you going to be taking any extra steps to make sure that any specific training you're, you're doing for D.C. that he's maybe not around at that time? No, no, no. Seriously, no. I'm, I'm just doing my stuff, as I told you. I'm training hard. And it's all about, you know, even, even if you know what's, what the other guy is doing and stuff like that, it's all about the, the D-Day and the, will you be able to, you know, avoid it. Okay. Okay, fair enough. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about Rumble moving up to heavyweight. I saw you posted a picture last week, yourself looking huge with the caption heavyweight. Do you have any plans on possibly moving up in weight after becoming the UFC light heavyweight champ? I mean, uh, as I told you already, I'm driven by challenge, and I think uh, that could be a, a good challenge. But uh, for now, I'm just focused on, uh, I'm just focused on the belt first. And uh, defending the belt also by the uh, after that. Of course, of course. Obviously, keep your eye on the goal. Become the champ. Uh, you know, clear out the division a bit. But I got to say, man, you look pretty huge. Uh, I'm, I'm, you've competed at heavyweight before, correct? Yes, yes, I did. And kickboxing, right? Um, kickboxing and also in MMA in my in my first my first few fights. Okay, cool. So that's definitely something that could be on the horizon for you as well. Multiple uh, division champ. Uh, but listen, you've been, as always, man, you've been more than generous with your time. I just have a couple more questions here for you. Uh, you've already predicted first-round KO, like usual, uh, but when you visualize the fight happening, what do you see? You know, Do you think it's going to be a right-hand counter, an uppercut from the clinch? How do you see this all playing out? Um, I, got a, I got a few things I'm, I'm working on right now, and, um, and I, I know it's going to land, and it's going to land pretty hard. So I'm not going to say too much about it. But um, definitely, I'm 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 going there with speed and uh, a lot of powers and uh, a lot of precision also. And you know, uh, the clinch being such an important position for kickboxers and also uh, wrestlers as well. Um, you know, that also being a, a position where things typically lead to the ground. Is that going to be a big focus for you on this camp? You know, clinch positioning. I, I usually train a lot to the the clinch because uh, it's something I feel comfortable with. You know, striking from there and uh, and leading with the with the, with my striking. So definitely, it's gonna be uh, something he has to worry about. Okay. Honestly, Volkan, uh, you know, it's been incredible to watch what you've done so far. Been an absolute honor to work with you throughout this journey. Uh, we greatly appreciate you coming on the show today. And from everybody at Team Penn, we certainly hope that you have an amazing camp and get the job done on January 20th. I will definitely be in attendance live. Uh, hopefully we can catch up when the fight gets a little closer. Uh, any shout-outs or, or message to the fans you'd like to get in before we let you go? I uh, just want to thank everybody, of, of course, for reaching out to me, you know, writing me uh, stuff online, uh, you know, commenting my, my picture and my post because uh, I can see the love and I, I'm really appreciating it. All right. Thank you again very much, Volkan. Hashtag and new January 20th in Boston at the TD Garden. Uh, get it done, my friend, and, and uh, you know, best of luck with this camp. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
Geico presents unhelpful home improvement how-tos. A slippery bathroom floor can result in expensive hospital bills. So today, I'll show you how to cushion a serious fall by filling your bathroom with thousands of plastic balls. Just nail a piece of plywood across the doorway and dump in 2,000 multicolored plastic balls. You could try to protect yourself with a bathroom full of plastic balls, or you could get liability coverage through the GEICO Insurance Agency. Visit GEICO.com and see how affordable renter's insurance can be.